let's dispense with the formalities, get down to the brass tacks, nuts and bolts. Let's get down to the Watch Out for Fireballs hardware special. Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to a very special episode of Watch Out for Fireballs, the retro video games podcast. This week we are talking about hardware, which we recognize as an incredibly broad topic, but um, we really want to talk about because uh, we think that those boxes and uh, the dinguses that you plug into those boxes make experiences possible. Yeah, it's also very weird for a podcast about retro video games to branch out to uh, Malibu comics from the early 90s. <laughs> But we're going to be talking about hardware, Prime, <laughs> um, Whoa. Guck, uh, uh Solar Man of the Atom, uh, <laughs> all all of those all hard case. I think I already said hard case. Archer and Armstrong, all of those <laughs> shitty also rans. Whoa, that is uh, I I don't even know what you're talking about. You might as well be like from an alternate universe. That, that is a pretty. That is a that is definitely a a uh, a. Deep cut. That's not like a deep cut. That's a cut from like four continents over. Yeah, it's not even really a cut. And actually, now that I think about it, he's, instead of hardware, he might be called hard hard case. Mm. So it, it is a it is a, a a false cut. It's like that Pokemon <laughs> move that you use to reduce somebody down to one HP. Um, but yeah, I'm on. Um, I just want to throw it out there. I didn't want to say anything about it, but I am going to say anything about it because I already fucked something up. Is that I'm on all kinds of cold medicine because I'm super sick. Yeah. So if you notice my voice uh, not working, or if any point I just start like Cole makes some good point, and in response I just start you know choking, um, <laughs> it is because uh, I'm super sick. So I apologize yeah. anyone listening to this. Yeah. Um, but the show goes on. Um, as Cole mentioned, we are interested in these kind of things. This was part of our Kickstarter uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. Was kind of you know as kind of a incentive mm-hmm. for everybody. So thanks again yes. for that. And yeah, so we're gonna we gotta get us a side and a B side like we do with our um, our special episodes. And the first time, side we're gonna talk about uh, the actual the consoles, the boxes themselves, and then the uh, schmutz you uh, you plug into them. Yeah. And uh, it should be noted, this is going to be incredibly uh, broad. Um, it's going to be incredibly kind of like shallow surface level stuff. Uh, you know, we're not gonna get into te- to technical details because those are incredibly easy to get wrong. Um, so this is going to be more about our experiences with these things and then the, the, the impact that we feel, um, they've had at each, you know, each generation point. Right. 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 Yeah. We're not necessarily experts on this. So, uh, don't, uh, you cannot exchange us for college credit right. in yeah. any sense of the word. It is a survey course. Yep. Survey course, mm-hmm. um, below 100 level comes over <laughs> as vocational credit. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So just kind of starting off talking about the, uh, the consoles themselves, we kind of divide them up into these eras. And uh, starting off with the pre-NES uh, era, I think that that's you know there's a lot of uh, kind of discrete units within that, but it makes sense to use the NES as a demarcation line 
given that it was so influential, specifically to us, but probably to people listening to the show. Yeah. And in particular, because we probably on this show won't delve too deep into anything that goes pre NES. I think the closest we got was the uh, was the arcade episode with some stuff that happened there. Yeah, I've, I've thought about it before. Like, is there an Atari game that would support a Watch Out for Fireballs? And then I thought, what if we were to do a series of Atari games? Like, there's probably like three Atari games. Mm-hmm you know, put together that would support it. And it's kind of an interesting idea, um, but I haven't had the, the right one. And even though I had an Atari uh, when I was younger, um, a 2600, I was too, you know, those memories are not, like I was not smart enough to, to really appreciate it and bring meaningful memories back with me to the present. Right. About that. And I only ever came to one. I guess I, I, guess I had a, an, an Atari at my grandma's house when I was like eight or nine, something like that. So I had access to them, but it it definitely wasn't contemporary. It was still, you know, uh playing it as a curiosity. Yeah. 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 And then don't don't get me wrong, an Atari can be a good time. Oh, like yeah. that's you know, you can you can sit down in a room with an Atari. When I went to uh Smash Wet this year, one of the holes was somebody had set up a uh, like a seventies basement den mm-hmm. and there was no there was just a hole on one end and a flag on you know or a uh, place to tee off on the other and you just had to get across the den um you know golfing across shag carpeting <laughs> but inside the den was a couch and an atari and you're encouraged while you're waiting for the other person to do that just to hang out and make that life difficult for them <laughs> by playing atari in the middle of the room um and i played uh one of those like a frog fly eating game mm-hmm. that was you know i was kind of impressed like it'd been a long time since i played an atari it's like oh this is you know responsive and and fun and works and you know, it reminded me of like a like a game and watch game or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I mean, there's haunted house too. Like yeah. that's you know a, a, a relatively complex game from pretty early it, on in the life cycle too. Adventure. Um, yeah, yeah. There are a mm-hmm. couple a couple of those, but uh, yeah. So kind of before all that came though, there were these uh, mainframe games, which are all the you know the first video games, and these were only the the twelve richest uh, colleges of Europe <laughs> could afford to have <laughs> these things and nerds would hang out in these. And this is stuff like your space war. Mm-hmm. And uh, your colossal cave yeah. adventure. Anything that it made sense to, you put in a query, and then it gives you back text, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a huge glut. You know, once uh, Pong actually came out, there's a huge glut of custom Pong machines, which would just be a machine that only played Pong. And some of these are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I encourage anyone to, to kind of Google image search this. Um, I also think there's an Angry Video Game Nerd episode about them. Um, but some of them are just these, like, wood-paneled, like, just amazing-looking devices. Like, they... They all look look like um, like an alternative design for spaceships, yeah, or like a spaceship in Spaceballs, like that Winnebago like wood paneled <laughs> spaceship that they use in that. Like it looks like that. Um, some of them are just gorgeous and, and cool looking. Look, Dad, the family truckster has Pong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like it, it. They looked like appliances, and they kind of were because mm-hmm. they did one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you had either Pong or Disco, which was Pong that got faster. <laughs> right, all right, or yeah. There's there's one like there's some of them that would have like you know plays over eighteen games, and the games would be like tennis, ping pong, you know, uh, air hockey, like just anything that involves a ball and two nets, stick ball, you know, volleyball, Bar. stick ball, yeah, uh, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they were designed specifically for those purposes, and most of them had like these awesome little like wheel controllers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that that X number of games in one has continued today. Go to any mall, find a kiosk. It'll say a five hundred new five hundred two Tetris variants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, there's only really three Tetris variants in real mm-hmm. life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, those are those are patently false. Mm-hmm. And then kind of alongside those, there was the Odyssey, which was really just an oscilloscope. Yeah, the Odyssey built. is real strange with the the custom overlays mm-hmm. on the screen. I guess uh, the Vectros 
Trex would also go in here in this yeah. kind of era, which also had the custom overlays. Yeah, yeah, add, which was... Add definition to... Yeah, add add add, uh, add add areas of color, which I think is yeah. how they uh, did uh, they they did um, Space Invaders originally too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and let me tell you, a Vetrex is a beautiful thing too. Oh God, like that. There's something about that quality of light, and mm-hmm. and we talked about this when we, we talked about vector graphics games uh, in the arcade episode. You know, almost two years ago now, mm-hmm. um, or almost a year ago now. The uh, but that is that's gorgeous. Like a, a Vectrex is a good looking thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the simplicity of that quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, like for, for, for all of these that we're going to talk about, really, like there are those weird ones that I never had and never had access to. But like going to a place like the Portland Richard Games Expo, and I'm sure that there are events like these kind of popping up all over the place where you can actually get hands on with somebody's like, you know, home personal use unit of a Vectrex or, mm-hmm. you know, some of these oddball things. It's a it's, you know, kind of neat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what's funny about the Odyssey was that was kind of the original light gun as well. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of working that in, too. Yeah, yeah. Even though my understanding is it didn't work real well. Kind of weirdly, as much as I'm not the biggest fan of it, a lot of this stuff that I never got a chance to play hands-on, I know from um, those angry video game nerd mm-hmm. videos. Like, say what you will about that guy. Like, he's not <laughs> he's not perfect by any means. But, like, as just kind of I want to watch somebody actually use these artifacts, mm-hmm. you know, and see the result. He does a good job of presenting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But pretty quickly we got to the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, right? Which is mm-hmm. which is, uh, I mean, that controller is still like if you see like an icon to represent video games, it's going to be that controller. It's going to be the joystick, right? Yes, yeah, it's the icon for the Portland Retro Gaming Expo mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one button, one mushy mushy stick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which which make, you know like it, it makes sense because prior to that. Um, a cousin of mine, where I played my earliest kind of uh, video games, he had, uh, I don't actually know what system it was because I was too young to, to read at the time, but uh, I went over to his house and he had a controller that was um, a pad with uh, a full number display. It mm-hmm. looked a lot like a phone. Yeah. Um, that also had overlays over the controller to be different directions and everything. And that thing was a nightmare. <laughs> um, it did not work. And I remember when I finally got a uh, an actual Atari, just the simplicity of it made a huge difference. Yeah. The, you know, well, and then we kind of moved back. We moved away from that, which is kind of interesting. Well, those but. number pad controllers they they were incredibly popular up and through up through like the early nineties. Like you look at yeah. something like the Lynx um, or the I'm sorry, the Jaguar that still had one through nine on it. Yeah, and what you probably had was either the uh, the fifty four hundred or the uh, the Intellivision. Yeah, yeah. It sounds. I think it was an Intellivision actually. Yeah. Um, but that those suck. Like, like, I don't know why those are popular. That's a garbage uh, controller method. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, you have a lot of input, but the what that always struck me is it was trying to find an uncomfortable middle ground towards like a PC mm-hmm. where you have, you know, by all accounts, unlimited input methods. Yep. And uh, finding that middle ground is something that controllers and, and video game systems have been working towards and succeeding and failing at mm-hmm. their entire life cycle. Yeah. You know? Which is which has been really interesting. Like the idea of a controller as a compromise, or not so much a compromise, but as kind of just an input method somewhere between a PC and uh, and an arcade kind of experience mm-hmm. has been something that's been wrestled with. Yeah, and it's funny because like here in the early days, there was that you know kind of just everything started from a different place, and it all kind of converged to you know some some plastic thing that you hold into your hand, like just around basically Nintendo leading the charge essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that's been more or less the template, specifically the Super Nintendo controller. Yeah, there have just been iterations on that. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, but the Atari is pretty interesting just because all of the difficulty stuff was hardware built yeah. into it. Yeah, just like a like little mode uh, switches and toggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which was really odd. And that was something that as a as a child I'd never really understood what those did, but would yeah. still fuck around with them because oh, they make the game a little bit different. Yeah. Um, like pretty, yeah. the, the only clear use case for that was like combat, where it would give you planes instead of <laughs> instead of tanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were some also rands in this kind of era too, which I you know you, you had some experience with the Intellivision, which was marketed by George Plimpton, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, didn't Cheech and Chong do some uh, uh, stuff for that too? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar to me. Yeah. Or no, they were uh, they were Pitfall, right? I, you know, like now, now that you say it, it struck the, the, the ember of a memory. And then now that you specify it, the ember is extinguished. Oh, well, uh, like I thought I remembered something about that, but mm-hmm. I do not. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there was the ColecoVision too, which kind of was, uh, taking this trend towards let's bring the arcade home a little mm-hmm. bit more. And, uh, that went so far as to have Donkey Kong as a pack in. And that was probably the most well-known game for the ColecoVision ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And, and a lot of these things, um, myself and probably many people, your exposure to these probably came from PS2 era collections. Yep. <laughs> of them, like Intellivision Lives, and uh, and you know, the, like the, these kind of uh, you know collection collections of the games. But you never actually got the hardware experience. Like I've never actually played, you know, a Odyssey, right? Or or you know, a a ColecoVision. Mm-hmm. I've just played the games on them, you know, on a PS2 controller. So it's it's not quite the same. No, it is definitely not. But uh, this brought us into the 8-bit age, which uh, I think is kind of the starting pistol for uh, for a lot of the stuff that we call games now. Yeah. 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 And something that we're going to see as we go up in, you know, generations here as we as we proceed through time is that added fidelity um, kind of creates new genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You're, you're able to just – you're just able to do more with it. Added fidelity and then also just kind of added space as well. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first generation of consoles that were able to have a significant portion of text in a game. So if you think about um, how to convey information and what kind of games are reliant on text – yeah. And there are, there are huge swaths of, of, of genres of games that are, you know, like adventure games and role-playing games that could not exist on, on the Atari. You know, the Atari adventure game, um, which was the <laughs> closest thing they had to a role-playing game, was essentially a Zelda game with a, with a bow and arrow, you know. Um, went around, it was an action RPG. You could not have a, a deep story or have, a, you know, kind of a, a turn-based choices. Like, you couldn't really do that kind of pacing right. because text is a, is a portion of that. And that's not something you could not do. Yeah. Prior to this generation. Yeah. And that's a function of both resolution, actually being able to display more yeah. than four characters per line, um, and also storage space. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that brought in like role playing games, like you said, you know, you had all of these different uh, computers kind of on the PC front, you know, the Apple II, which was a little bit earlier, but then the Macintoshes came in and uh, all of these crazy, crazy um, gaming specific computers that I never had any experience with aside from the Amiga, which my friend who lived on the street had. Yeah, I, I also have not spent any time with these, even though I've talked about it before. <clears throat> Um, how much I would love to like spend some serious time with a Commodore 64. Mm-hmm. Um, the Commodore 64 remains interesting to me, mostly because of the sound. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we talked about that in the music episode, but a Commodore 64 sound is a very specific, very neat sounding thing. Yeah. And one that has a lot of longevity. I mean, every yeah. chiptune you know, guy either uses the Game Boy or the C64. Yeah, exactly. Or, or, or C64 sound. But yeah, yeah I, I also did not have very much experience with these gaming specific PCs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, two kind of front runners emerged: IBM and Macintosh. 
you know, mm-hmm. than sound cards and shareware, you know, floppies being passed around and such, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Moraf. Yeah, you were playing the Moraf games? No. It's a weirdo who did his, um, he made these shareware games and they were really, uh, he was just one guy. His last name was Moraf. <laughs> and uh, they were really meaty uh, shareware experiences um, that we, me and my friends passed around. Um, this kind of bleeds into the 16-bit time, but it was also, you know, it was probably like early 90s, um, but that was still kind of contemporary with 8-bit as well. Um, but it's my primary shareware experience. And uh, he had like a roguelike one that was was huge like it was just like a full roguelike and if you wanted to unlock like an extra class you had to pay Hmm. Um, but they were good games and they were just free and it was this weird it's a weird model that just doesn't exist anymore famously um you know doom like oftentimes uh you'd play doom and the the first uh, campaign was was just shareware yeah and then you have to unlock to get more and stuff there's a neat way to do it yeah i Um, i think so i i have lots of i I locked lots of time on wolfenstein wolfenstein mm -hmm. i know i I always get that wrong um however i'm pretty sure it was, was the name of the creator not the monster. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wolfenstein. Uh, yeah. Wolfenstein? Wolfenstein? Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was pretty much only the first <laughs> the first uh, couple levels. Same thing with uh, uh, Commander Keen, actually, as oh, well. Oh, yeah. 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 It's software. Yeah, man. That's a, yeah. Did, did good, good work. into kind of a primary interest to probably listeners of the show and at least to us as well as far as what we got into when we were young was the nes um which is huge like this this, this is this is gargantually influential <laughs> um it was the first system i owned you know the the atari we used to have was our family machine this is the uh, the first thing that i got just for me um yeah fantastic yeah and uh, i was kind of bored into it <laughs> i just mm-hmm. have always had an nes yeah yeah, they're, they're, I mean, it's 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 so you know. There's that kind of like um, when you, you like old video games and, and you're a dork. There's that Desert Island discussion. Like you can have a system and all of its its games. Uh, Desert Island. Which one would you like to have? Mm-hmm. Um, and my stock answer is always SNES. Um, but the uh, uh, this is you know this would be this would be pretty great because yeah. this is I it's probably like this was the system that came along when I was the age to be enthusiastic about video games in a way I'm not really able to. Mm-hmm. anymore i used to uh play nintendo i remember uh, being over at a friend's house and playing trojan and uh i used to get really excited about it and i would actually develop a, a fever like i would get warm and my mom would call it nintendo fever and i'd have to take breaks like they like they tell you in the manual like you know take a break every 15 minutes yeah and i would actually have to do that because i would get so excited playing fucking trojan and, <laughs> like which is an awful game um, but i would just get so into it um you know so like I will always have this affection for this generation because it came along when I was, you know, seven or eight. So yeah. I was just fucking just into it in a way that I'm not now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm into it now. It's a reserve to refined into it. It's yeah. an arch deluxe way of being into video games <laughs> as opposed to a, a happy meal way of being yeah, into Jason, video games. Jason Alexander dancing around. Oh, wait, yeah. that was the, BL, the BMT or whatever. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, like, for me, like, you, you know, the NES in our house was my brother's, and it was just a matter of, like, forcing him to play and freaking out whenever he stopped because I wanted mm-hmm. to watch him play. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, um, there were you know there there were a couple things that made the uh, the NES pretty special. Uh, just the fact that they're cartridges and those could be expanded, like uh, you know Zelda with the uh, with you know with the save battery, which is pretty much their way of getting around the fact that we never got the Famicom disc system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and then the the controller. Yeah. Which was, which is the uh, you know in some ways is the the er perfect controller that has just been iterated on time and time again the, the you know the direction on your left buttons on your right <laughs> you know uh, kind of oblong shape which you know your your Xbox and your your PS3 controller and everything is essentially you know an iteration of that with with a lot of small refinements but the uh, the NES and and the I would go as far as to say that the D pad on the NES has not really been topped no. You know, like that is that is probably the crispest, best feeling D-pad. Yeah. We, you know, like we say sometimes flippantly that if, uh, you know, if platforming doesn't feel like Mario, it's not successful. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the main complaint about, let's say, the Xbox 360 controller um, or pretty much any D-pad that is not a Nintendo trademark service mark D-pad, you know, like doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't, it isn't. And there's a reason for that, which is Nintendo, they like, once they figured out that that was the thing, they locked that down right quick. Well, k- kind of, except, and then they did the, the, but the D pad on the, um, the GameCube controller and the N64 controller does not feel <laughs> nearly sure. as good, you know, yeah. um, this and the Super Nintendo one are, are pretty much the sweet spots. Yeah. For them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of weird. You can see them kind of coming out of the, uh, you know, the Atari crash. And uh, being a little bit ginger about this because it was marketed definitely as a toy. Mm-hmm. You know, video games had still a little bit of a stigma <clears throat> to them as an idea. So, you know, it, it, came, it was a toy. It had Rob the Robot, your little robotic operating buddy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was the way, you know, video games weren't necessarily a thing the same way they are now. It's just kind of a given. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because it was marketed at kind of a toy price as well. I mean, ninety nine ninety nine. You know, mm-hmm. to get Super Mario Brothers and two controllers, which, you know, now, you know, I did the little Wolfram Alpha, Alpha thing. You know, that's $221 in today's box. Yeah, which, which is still pretty reasonable for a, for a new console at launch. Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, too, because, like, it lasted for 10 years. So it came out in 85 and it was discontinued in 95. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, which is huge. Mm-hmm. That's a really long uh, uh, generation. And and we talked about it before um, on various episodes, but looking at those early NES games versus those latest later ones is really interesting. You can really see on this system the stretch of the beginning of a console's life cycle to the end of it yeah. and what kind of difference that makes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so and this was you know, never really took off uh, in Europe because of all those weird little PCs. Mm-hmm. That we mentioned. So all the kids in Europe were playing their Commodore 64s, yeah. um, you know, as opposed to the NES. Like, I mean, there were, still was the NES, but it was not as big a deal. Right. There. And then you also had uh, the Sega Master System, which I have never touched. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've spent some time with the Sega Master System. Um, that cousin who had uh, all the video games that I've talked about many times mm-hmm. um, had a Sega Master System. I played my share of Alex Kid. Um, it's weird. The um, it's uh, it's uh, sometimes you know there are some things that are actually uh, I remember some of the colors being a little bit better mm-hmm. on some of the games like there were there are certain um, I think uh, it, I keep wanting to say Parodius but that's not it um, <laughs> fa- Fantasy Zone there's mm-hmm. a shooter on uh, Sega Master System that has really uh, vibrant kind of wonderful colors on it that I remember being impressed with even you know as compared to the NES at the time but uh it also you know every it was like an entire console where where b jumps and a shoots <laughs> for the most part and the buttons are called one and two mm-hmm. how unimaginative is that <laughs> well, um, they have to differentiate somehow 
Well, yeah, I know, but it's a garbage <laughs> way to differentiate. Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's for trash people. Um, the uh, But yeah, the, the Master System, and the Master System has like no actual good games on it. Right. That's not true. Someone will, will, I mean, it has Fantasy Star, yeah. which is a good game and way more advanced than, than Final Fantasy or... You know, it had like you know the theming and stuff, and that was much more kind of adult than the the RPGs we were getting. But other like Fantasy Star is the only Sega Master System game I can think of that's worth a damn. Mm -hmm. Somebody will correct me, but that that's really all I can think of that's any good. It's weird because it got a bunch of Sonic ports, which were essentially the Game Gear versions of the games. Yeah, and they came they came really late. I mean, obviously they were Sonic Mm -hmm. ports. So, I mean, just kind of contemporaneously with the NES, there was just not much to the uh, to the Master System. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and something that we wouldn't see until uh, until the Game Boy Advance. There, they they sold games on cards too, like little yeah. credit cards that you would swipe. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. And it also had the blandest cover art I think I've ever seen. Yeah, with that that grid in the background, <laughs> yeah. that Tron grid. Yep. Yeah, some of those some of those covers are amazing though. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're pretty funny, but they are bland and and, and awful. <laughs> Yeah. Um, also, kind of in this time period, like Atari was really, really struggling to keep up, which is something they would do in well into the mid '90s. But uh, the the Atari fifty four hundred and seventy two hundred, like, yeah, and they kind of made the Sega mistake of iterating too quickly. I think. Yeah. 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 Those are and those are widely considered to be huge failures mm-hmm. as uh, as systems, and rightly so. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, so then again we're moving real quick again survey yep. course yep. Uh, moving um, into the sixteen bit era. The 16-bit era uh, was where we had just enough fidelity to really get in trouble with the authorities. Um, like it's it's weird because like it was okay for games to be games again to a certain extent, and so they were being marketed as such. And you know we had the console war, we had all this marketing kind of surrounding all these systems. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which seems which seems really kind of quaint now. I wonder if I if I were was my age now when this was going on if I'd be grossed out by it the way I'm grossed out by by video game marketing and all marketing now. Yeah. Like I wonder if I would just be like, "Ugh, you know." I remember um when I was young there was an ad for uh I guess this is NES, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um <laughs> for well it, it segues into something. I used to be actually I was pretty grossed out by this because I remember there was an ad for Battletoads. Um that was uh, comparing them to Ninja Turtles and uh, I was a huge turtle maniac. At the time, I remember getting really upset about that. But I also wrote a letter into Nintendo Power <laughs> one time about um, an ad where Sonic was taking down Mario. And even as a kid, my the letter was, "But Mario can do so much more," <laughs> which is pretty much my take now. <laughs> like it has not changed. Like, oh, when you're Mario, you you get this huge verb set. And when you're Sonic, you just run and jump. <laughs> you know, like your power ups suck, and and you know, they, they, there's not always like you know, there's no Yoshi, and there's no none of this weird shit <laughs> to do. And that way, I wrote this letter in Nintendo Power that never got printed, but that was essentially my thrust uh, reacting to that marketing this super smarmy second marketing i'm just picturing so. a 12 year old gary saying verb set yeah <laughs> verb set <laughs> mario is a bit of verb set it's giant <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's it's weird but like you know it's it's something that that i think is true today about like this notion of a console war like yeah. it almost it almost feels like wagging the dog or something like that like it just yeah. it, it has to be good for both sides right yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Even even though you know in the end, like uh, the the SNES is pretty much the you know history has shown oh, yeah. and sales have shown is the winner of this. And then Genesis did great, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the SNES SNES really kind of took this console war, this generation yeah. of the war. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And uh, oh man, it, it, this kind of continued the "let's bring arcades home" kind of thing because I remember one of the big points of distinction was which one could do Street Fighter better and oh, which yeah. one could do Mortal Kombat better. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. And it was interesting to me that the points in Sega's favor for both those things, like the 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 way those ports were better for the most part, came down to these very weird uh non um box specific things. Mm-hmm. So the clear, you know, advantage to the uh Sega Genesis, or at least at the time, Sega Genesis Mortal Kombat was that it had blood. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed, which has nothing to do with the Sega Genesis itself, just has to do with Sega's policies. <laughs> and the the Super Nintendo version of those games was clearly better because of the controller mm-hmm. and not so much. And eventually, you know, if you play uh, uh, either of those games on a six button uh, Sega Genesis controller, they're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not that big a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, but it was interesting that the the kind of the demarcation line between those things kind of came down to these weird little side aspects of the companies more than anything i mean there is there's more to it than that there is kind of kind of technical spec issues but at the time that was all i remember caring about mm-hmm. is, is how well they controlled and whether i could see blood you know <laughs> <laughs> like yeah do i have to hold down the start button to access the, the second yeah, to access the blood code yeah 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 and uh man so let's i always forget how early the genesis came out yeah like way way earlier like 1988 yeah, like super, super early, and some of those early Genesis games look great. Like there, mm-hmm. there's a lot to, a lot to that. Yeah. Um, you know that 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 system had a, a big difference in kind of the beginning and ending of its uh, console, you know, game quality. Mm-hmm. But uh, it came, you know, came right out of the gate, which is really impressive. Also, TurboGrafx-16 came out really early as well. Mm. Um, I can't remember the exact date, but it came out like PC Engine was pretty, pretty early on. Yeah, um, both these things, uh, you know, came out the gate far faster than the SNES. And, you know, it kind of, I, I wonder what they did with that lead because Sonic <laughs> came out in like the, like the same year that, uh, that the SNES did. That was the thing is they did very little with the lead. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a real, like, let's get this thing out, but we don't have any software really to, mm-hmm. you know, to push it with. Yeah. Which is, you know, we see that nowadays too. It's just like, you know, and it may just be a function of, you know, the fact that I was born a year before it came out, but it's like, it's almost like it existed as a, as a thing before it existed as anything relevant to the culture. Right. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was definitely like my, that cousin, I'm going to keep talking about it because a lot of my early video (laughs) games, like he was the cousin who had money. So whenever anything new would come out, he would have it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I thought of the Sega Genesis prior to the console war was like, you know, it was kind of a luxury item, like, you know, which is kind of strange. Yeah. Since it's for trash people. But it was before, you know, it was, it was since it was the only one that was there. I was like, oh, I'm going to get a 16-bit system. I'm not going to wait for this this much better 16-bit system to come out. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. It's European. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which is true because it was more popular uh, in Europe, I yeah. think, than anywhere. Also Brazil, strangely enough. Yeah, and still popular. Like, there's like a new Sega Genesis game came out in Brazil like a year ago. You know, they're what? still making them. I think if we worked hard enough, we could draw we could draw that back to the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, you know those boys from Brazil always yeah. making new Genesis carts. All these like, all these Adolf Hitler clones. <laughs> it is truly the Genesis of a new rank. Oh the- God. The- <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> the, the, the Sonic Third Reich. Oh no! <laughs> Uh, and don't forget knuckles <laughs> <laughs> knuckles is Mussolini. that the genesis controller is one of the most uncomfortable things yeah it's it's this gross half moon like mac tonight holding mm-hmm. thing and it just it's yeah it's really uncomfortable yeah. and and ugly too mm-hmm. like i do not like the way that uh the genesis looks the genesis was the first console that came out that i hated the way it looked yeah it like, was like which iteration? Because it went through a really, really like high-profile redesign. Oh to, yeah. Well, yeah. any of them, just the kind of like this, the circles and blackness mm-hmm. to it. You know, like I, I prefer my consoles to look a little dorkier. <laughs> than I do, which means I haven't liked the way a console looks in like twenty years. <laughs> but the <laughs> because now they're all sleek blackness. You never got a a, a wood panel front plate for your uh, for your three sixty. <laughs> no, I, I should though. It's a good, it's a good idea. <laughs> And the ga- I guess the GameCube is the last uh, console I like the way that it looked. Oh yeah. Um, because yeah, it, it's, I, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm into these things being dorky, you know, nerd <laughs> nerd toys as a try as opposed to trying to be like for beating up jocks with. <laughs> like, <laughs> this oh. is a cool device that you can beat up your brother with. It's called a Genesis. Yeah. Um, See, what's funny is like I remember like the, the the controller was the perfect size for my hands when I was little, and mm-hmm. it's weird because like my hands outgrew it. And now, yeah. like the contours just don't fit right. Whereas the you know the the NES controller is pretty much as a, as one of my favorite podcasters, uh, John Syracuse said, it's like pinching the harmonica. You just hold it like you like it was never comfortable. So like you could not grow it. It never contoured or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is the era where uh, we're kind of making stabs at internet connectivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, the Satella View and the Sega Channel, which goes into a larger discussion that we're ill-equipped for and that Retronaut should do an episode on, <laughs> um, which is about that that ephemeral gaming experience. Like when I was doing research for our Link to the Past episode and saw all that cool uh, Link to the Past uh, uh, Satella View um, versions of those things, like that mm-hmm. stuff's fascinating to me. Yeah, and you know, damn near impossible to emulate. And even if you can, it's not emulated in the exact. It's not the exact same experience. And it's just something I totally missed. Is this a fever dream, or did they finally emulate Dr. Wily's adventures? Um, I don't know. Huh. I don't know which one of those it is. But it is, it's interesting. Like, it is, mm-hmm. it's such a cool idea and so ahead of its time. I remember you know? begging my mom <laughs> to get me Sega Channel. <laughs> well, it's such a, it's a recurring cost. Like, yep. what, it's, it's, so, it's such a high hurdle, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, it was like, it's probably like, what, 15, 20 bucks a month? Something like that, yeah. That's like a third of a game. Mm-hmm. That's pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, know, it wasn't like AOL where you could get a thousand free hours and you could, have, like, maybe kind of fake, you know, fake them out into saying, oh, I'll use it to do, you know, to do homework, not download Simpsons.wave files. Yeah. You know, yep. like, it, it is strictly game. So, like, yeah. this, this is the thing that your uncle had. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I've I've never seen either of these things in the wild, hmm. like a Satellaview or a Sega Channel. Yeah, um, did, which sucks because they're neat. Did Satellaview come to America ever? I don't know. I don't think it did. Yeah, I would. I would. I, I don't think so either. But I don't. Uh, I'm yeah. not super well versed on it. Yeah. Oh, there's a there, there, there's a kind of like a minor side note. AOL uh, or the company that would become AOL uh, got its kind of start on the uh, on the Atari. Mm-hmm. Um, like with a with a little modem to connect to BBSs. Actually, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. I didn't do any uh, online gaming at this point on uh, console. I did. I did some stuff on BBSs on PC. Mm-hmm. 
at this time, but never uh, never did anything with the console. And that's going to be true for, for a long time for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so the computer was the space for that for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, let's talk about the Super Nintendo controller just for a second, just because <laughs> yeah. it's so good. Definitely. Um, what, is, what is it about six buttons that is perfect? I don't know. Like, it gives, like, it, it gives you just enough to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I'm I'm not particularly turned off by the two rows of shoulder buttons. Like that's that's fine. And like in the age of dual analog sticks, it's kind of necessary. Mm-hmm. But like just the like, oh my gosh, like the like the four face buttons. That's that that that's where it's at. I think. Yeah, and in, in the in the diamond configuration, mm-hmm. you know the way that it is, and and the I don't I'm not turned off by the double shoulder buttons, but the one you know works mm-hmm. for me. Like if you play um, like sit down with like Super Metroid. Yeah. Or something like that with the shoulder buttons choosing the the air angle of a uh, fire, mm-hmm. it just feels great. Like it just it, I don't know it just it's just perfect. <laughs> yeah. And the the SNES also as a as a object, mm-hmm. I'm a really big fan too. Like it's it's got that kind of dorkiness that the Nintendo consoles tend to have that I really appreciate. Like a non pretentiousness mm-hmm. to it. You know, like this is just like the color scheme and the the contours and everything is just like here's here's a fun game box. Yeah. You know, we're not trying to be a stealth helicopter. <laughs> you know, um, I just really appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it, for, for, at first it was gray and purple, and then it was yellow and purple, and everybody yeah. was happy. None <laughs> of those colors are cool. Um, and yeah, just and just the uh, the way that you know the uh, sound, like the the sound of a cartridge going into the top of an SNES. That's mm-hmm. a real nostalgia, you know, trigger for me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is this is this is a, a wonderful system. I've I've said it before. Like, um, this was the system where I got the game for the system before I got the system itself. <laughs> and opening up Christmas presents, so I knew what I was going to get. But yeah. my my first, I, you know, Mega Man Two and, and Operation Wolf were my first two Nintendo games. Mm-hmm. And for Super Nintendo, I had uh, just Mario World and then uh, Turtles in Time. Yeah. So that was a, that was a good Christmas. <laughs> good motherfucking Christmas. Yeah. And I, I told the story on the uh, on the Star Fox episode, but uh, Star Fox and Super Mario World were mine. And yeah. then that like that was just like a midsummer your dad bought it for us kind of thing. So, so really, really weird. I'm not sure why or how, but it totally was a thing. That's a good time. Yeah. Mm. Whew. <laughs> That's a good, I'm gonna, like, you're gonna have to go out on eBay after this and buy a Super Nintendo. <laughs> I, I still have mine. So I, I for forever I thought that it was uh that it was nicotine staining that turned mine yellow. But, oh, uh, n- n- yeah, and just, you know, it was a uh, smoking house uh, from time to time and uh, at, at, at my dad's. And uh, uh, no, actually, it was just because of the plastic. Yeah. Like there were just batches of plastic that just turned it yellow. Yep. Yeah. yeah it makes them look gross. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I had my original one for a long time. Then I sold all my consoles when I moved yeah. uh, to Portland. I got rid of them all. And I, I don't necessarily regret it, but it was nice to have them. Yeah. Like one thing that's great about the SNES that I think that uh, caused the Genesis to really fall flat on its face was that it stayed simple. Like they, yeah, I was like just they, about to say that. Yeah, they like, never tried to like glom or turn it into any kind of like Voltron esque horror tower. Yeah. 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 I mean, there were a couple of things that did. Um, you know that were maybe attempts at uh, at, at that, like uh, in development, but they never actually went through. Yeah, and then it became um, <laughs> and okay, they were in development, never went through, and then became the competition. So yeah, it, well, competition, yeah, quite, um, quite you know, so to speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the genesis. I mean, you know, smarter people than we have have probably weighed in on that. The entire you know tower of dumbassery that the genesis became eventually with the the Sega CD and everything, and that's just it's such a such an ill conceived. You know, there's something to like just buying a new thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like it just feels different. 
Yeah. Like buying a new thing as opposed to buying an expansion for what you already have. Um, one of those just feels like, oh, this is a this is a cool new thing, and the other one, like, you're never going to get someone to feel like the 32x was a cool new thing. <laughs> you know, it was always just going to feel like, oh, I'm going to be able to play like slightly better looking Sega games. I can you play know? Star Wars. Cool. Yeah. Like I like the Star Wars game, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Definitely. New artifacts are good, and that's you know part of I think the reason that i like consoles a little bit is because it's not like an upgrade kind of thing you just yeah. get the new one but mm-hmm. yeah um pc was pretty interesting at this time too because uh cds uh were uh, slowly becoming a thing yeah missed missed man yeah um you know the taking advantage of the mouse as well which was also uh coming into its own yeah and uh you know this is kind of the the windows uh windows 95 mm-hmm. um was kind of a, a big this is when that took Effect. And this was the first generation for me for PC. I remember uh, Windows clearly being the the operating system. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, like I had computers that ran on DOS and some that ran on like DOS shell <laughs> and all these weird little like also rams that never went anywhere. And uh, this was the time when it was like, okay, Windows, you know, Windows 95, yeah. Windows 3, like those are the, the front runners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that's weird is, you know, the, the, the hardware being available doesn't necessarily make something like the mouse you know, change games. It's the assumption that everybody has it. Right. Right. So, you know, after the Macintosh and then, you know, even games like Quake and such were developed, you know, kind of like, do you have a mouse? We'll give you an option not to. But like once it became just a safe assumption that that was something out there, you started seeing more stuff in the point and click vein. You started seeing stuff, you know, like the first person shooters. And I'm not sure it would have taken off as as, as well as it did um, if more people didn't have those in their house. Definitely, yeah. The same way. So when, once those uh, those kind of changes to the the hardware, the way they influence software, you think about that. You think about what we were talking about with the um, the but being able to display text and um, the um, what is it like the Portopia murders, like that first point and click, like yeah. it looks like a Mac Venture game. Mm-hmm. And there were, excuse me, there were thousands of those. <laughs> you know, like once that became something like, oh, we're capable, like most of you, you know, we're capable of doing this. Mm-hmm. Let's do it to death. <laughs> you know, and and that's kind of you know that's a trend that we'll see again and again. Yeah, um, in uh, in hardware cycles. And what's funny, well, you know, like what's funny is like as soon as story <clears throat> became something that was on the table, like you know text adventure or you know something like those Mac Venture kind of things. I wonder how much that had you know an impact too on people saying like, oh, I've got a story I want to tell. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and contributing to the idea of you know the the gigantic can video games be art. Mm-hmm debate um you know i you know once now that i'm i'm kind of firmly in the camp that the video games can be art and that it's not necessarily are they art because of emulating something else <laughs> like you know a video game that has the same story arc as a novel is not art the same way that a novel is mm-hmm. you know because it uh, it has this other element to it but prior to like that was kind of a way to get into it mm-hmm. you know like uh, uh by emulating these other art forms like yeah. it allowed video games to emulate different media that we are more comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah. At this time, there was also, like, we mentioned a little bit the TurboGrafx-16, um, which I've never seen in the wild um, and played very little of. Um, <laughs> we did uh, the, JJ and Jeff for that bonus episode. Yeah. Of, uh, Abject yeah, Suffering. Yeah, yeah. Played that. Yeah. And then we played, there's another one in the, on the, on the docket for Abject Suffering. That's a TurboGrafx-16 <laughs> game that is uh, special. Yeah. <laughs> um, the CDI, which is, you know, a living joke. Uh, like if you if you take a look at that, that is a figure of fun uh, for all people. And the Neo Geo, which is one of the weirdest systems 
um, in history in that it is such a boutique system for for really one genre. Yep. Like it it is a system for fighting games. <laughs> if you like fighting games, like this is actually a really good system to own, and you're going to have a huge array of fighting games to play. Yeah. If you don't like fighting games, like there's a couple beat 'em ups and a couple shooters, <laughs> and and that's you know that's really it. And like the system costs eight hundred dollars when it came out. So, <laughs> and the cartridges themselves were like two hundred or something like that. It was Jesus. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but it was so it was so good for fighting games. Like it was such a boutique, you know, genre specialization. <laughs> Every single Neo Geo collection that comes out, I always kind of I have to look at the list to see how much of it is going to be Samurai Warriors. Samurai, yeah, King of Fighters. Yeah, Samurai yeah. Warriors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the answer is always a lot. Yeah, like and people, more than seventy five percent. And and people still care about those games, even mm-hmm. though like I you know, I like fighting games, but I never got into those. Yeah, you know, like it was just kind of like I was fine with Street Fighter, but if that wasn't good enough for you, you had to switch over to this like mm-hmm. weird Pro Track for for fighting games. I never got into. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what's funny is like the, you know, the Neo Geo went on to live as a handheld too, like yeah. the Neo Geo pocket color and stuff like it, it, it lived on as hardware far longer than it ought to have. Well, and in the arcades, well, yeah. like if you go, you go to ground control now, there's a couple of Neo Geo machines and every time I've ever been in an arcade, there's a Neo Geo, uh, kind of multi-cade mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So let's talk about handhelds for a minute. God, I love handhelds. Me too. I've probably logged more hours on handheld systems than I'd say probably anything else. It, it is the it is the form of gaming that best fits my lifestyle now. <laughs> you know, like being able to commute or being anywhere in the house or being you know in between moments. Like uh, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And uh, even as a kid, that was definitely you know that was true. Like uh, you know when I first got my Game Boy, I spent a lot of time just kind of playing it in the car, mm-hmm. you know, playing it outside and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, the Game Boy is what we think of for this, but things were around before then. Um, we're, you know, the Game & Watch uh, series, which are really influential um, and are not that fun to play. <laughs> They're fine. And same thing with the Tiger handheld games, which the I spent a lot of time with those. The biggest thing to me that I remember is the way the shape of every unit was different. Mm-hmm. Like Each one was a custom thing that had nothing to do with the actual thing. Like I had a Ninja Turtles one that looked like a, a starship. Mm-hmm. For some reason, and I had a, a you know a, a, a double dragon one that looked like um, like a bone, you know, like it was just so weird. Like just the, you know, rather than make these uh, uh, standardize these, which you think would save them tons of money, yeah, they're all just oddball shapes. Well, I mean, you have to imagine they're just trying to make them stick out on a shelf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but by and large, they're garbage. <laughs> like they're they're bad games with no animation. Um, yeah. Yeah, but Fair like shit. that that taught me how LCD screens worked, though. <laughs> yeah, Just the fact that you could look at them from a separate angle and you could see every single uh, every single potential like asset to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Game Boy came about. Gunpoi Yokai, Yokai, yeah, uh, came out and uh, created the Game Boy with the the pack in Tetris, which was huge. Mm-hmm. Like it's just such a that's such an institution. Yeah, those things are amazing, and any Game Boy you find now still runs because that's how hardy they are yeah mine still does i think the screen's gonna crap out before the actual before the actual uh guts do yeah 
Yeah. Yep, yep. And the, um, this is an original point. This is something that I've, I've heard other people say on podcasts, but it, it really kind of uh, exemplifies Nintendo's design philosophy of, you know, finding cheap uh, parts, that, cheap parts that are available now mm-hmm. and kind of making it work as well as possible and making it affordable as opposed to trying to push technology with their handheld stuff. Yeah. And that turned out to be the winning strategy by far yeah. um, because no, no handheld has ever really challenged the, the Game Boy. No, you know, or any of its iterations. Like Nintendo has been the king of the handheld market since there has been a handheld market. Yeah, I mean, they pretty much created it. Right? Yeah, uh, you know, just like uh, consoles were. Let's recreate the uh, you know the arcade at home. Um, you know, the Game Boy was. Let's take the console and bring it on the road. And, the and hand, that, yeah, yeah, and and that actually you know extended up and up to the point where like nowadays I think we're seeing that there's a ceiling to that. So, you know, to like to where it's appropriate to try and mimic that. But like, you know, the model that we assume is Nintendo's responsibility, right? Yeah. 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 Um, there are tons of different versions of the Game Boy. Yeah. Um, I have all of them, <laughs> um, like in my house right now. Yeah. The, uh, the Game Boy, Game Boy Pocket, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance, that Game, Game Boy, Boy Advance SP. <laughs> yeah, Game Boy Pocket's great. That's the, that's the Game Boy that I have permanently affixed to my Game Boy camera, <laughs> um, which we'll talk about. A little bit later, yeah. Um, but the uh, I, lo- I love that system, mm-hmm. and like even the weirdo games on Game Boy, I really liked. Like even like you know, like, I like Super Mario Land as much as it's a, a blurry mess that does not play like a Mario game. Mm-hmm. I really like that game, yeah. um, and part of it was probably just the age I came to it at. But the uh, I, I've got a lot of affection for the the original Game Boy, and we've talked about the Game Boy SP, and just as a as a triumph of blocky utilitarian <laughs> dorky design. Yep. Like it is so good. Yeah. Like the laptop Game Boy Advance is is one of my favorite systems. Yeah. It's I mean it's it's solid. Like yeah. I like my light blue actual backlit, not sidelit one, is mm-hmm. probably one of my prized possessions. Mm-hmm. And I got it for like forty dollars used at a GameStop, I think, in order to play uh, Metroid Prime. Yeah. <laughs> not Metroid Prime, or Metroid Metroid Fusion. Fusion. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, that like that that SP and just like 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 you said, you know the, the the original one for most of these systems, original Game Boy display no great shakes, but it worked. The original Game Boy Advance no great shakes, but it worked. But Nintendo has never been shy about improving their hardware. Yeah, like out, out of all these generations, I think that the the one that is probably the most lamentable is the original Game Boy Advance. Yes, like the non backlit Game Boy Advance is unplayable. Yeah, um, and I remember thinking that at the time. Mm-hmm. Even like, oh, if I move at all, I can't see this. This is garbage. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, they fixed that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of interesting, too. So once this became its own thing, it wasn't just about bringing consoles to the handheld. Once it had unique experiences that people wanted to play, they wanted to be able to bring it back. So they, they brought out the Super Game Boy, mm-hmm. which is a really cool, like it kind of hacks color into uh, black and white games um, and allows you to play uh, Game Boy games on your Super Nintendo mm-hmm. um, and is a real weird little curiosity that's really neat yeah now you could put uh, special frames on the outside mm-hmm. of them too um to actually show that stuff i remember i spent a lot of time like designing special frames uh, to mm-hmm. put around games like specific because certain game boy games i think specifically the donkey kong country actually were super game boy enhanced so like you would put them into a super game boy and it would have special uh special art around the borders pretty neat yeah yeah and uh and nothing uh Nothing else came close no. like to this. Um, you know, we had the Game Boy and the Lynx around the same time, which like the Lynx is kind of neat because it's or game, not Game Boy, Game Gear. <laughs> um, the Lynx, which you could turn either way, yeah. like it would work sideways or work, you know, vertically, yeah. uh, which is a cool idea. 
but all of them were uh you know at first i thought oh <clears throat> these things failed because they used so many batteries so much batteries and uh they must look really great and then we played that links game for abject suffering <laughs> and it was like so, it was like an atari game it was like a shitty super shitty dos game mm-hmm. so this is way worse than game boy this plays way shittier and it might have just been the emulator but yeah. i was expecting something much more advanced mm-hmm. uh, from it and game gear every time i've ever played a game gear game it's been really kind of blurry and and not that fun yeah. as well like, like, like I, I couldn't identify it back then because I had no idea what it was. But the refresh rate on those uh, on on that screen was just abysmal. Like, yeah. I still have my unit. I pull it out from time to time, but it's you know to try and play a Sonic game. I mean, good night. Like trying to do anything that, that approx- you know approximates got to go fast. Right. You know, like you're just not going to be able to see anything. I have no idea how I tolerated it. Oh wait, I was a Sega garbage kid. So, <laughs> well, and that's why, like Super Mario Land, which moves, which is super blurry, but you move really slow in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it kind of works for it. And eventually, they kind of took care of that. And by Super Mario Land Two, it's not blurry and you can move fast, and it yeah. looks fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's weird. There's uh, the Nomad came out around this time, which is literally just a <laughs> TV. You know tv genesis and you just stick genesis carts in it mm-hmm. and it just kind of works and had a tv tuner mm-hmm. um, it, which was the big, the big deal i remember the ads for it showing uh, people watching football yep on it <laughs> there was uh, something similar for the for the game boy or sorry for the game gear uh there was a tv tuner available for that which i think my cousins had yeah yeah which is interesting mm-hmm. um yeah yeah um, and then, yeah go ahead i just realized something I, I i kind of i pinpointed the moment that my childhood ended <laughs> which is um when i it was it was probably around the time that uh, zelda oracle of ages and oracle of seasons came out like that was the last time i could play a game in a car mm. we were on vacation going to uh Shinkatig, virginia to see family and um i picked up both those games for the for, for the ride down um I, you know, I was probably like 12 or so years old and um <laughs> i got like flashes of it then but like after those games i could never play a handheld game in the car without getting mm-hmm. sick and it's yeah. like oh my gosh these these summers of driving to myrtle beach and playing you know playing zelda games or whatever playing the metal gear uh game boy color game no more also huh. you know the the time in which you're a passenger in a car oh yeah and can you know socially <laughs> acceptably like every once in a while you know if uh, me and elizabeth are driving up to seattle i'll bust out the old game boy and be like i'm just gonna play pokemon i can still talk <laughs> but uh that's real borderline like i mm-hmm. shouldn't be able to get away with that <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know um it just you, you kind of cease being able to do that and then it transitions to planes <laughs> like that's that's the that's the equivalent of being driven around by your parents yeah now <laughs> like, next time i'm in a cab i should just pull out my game boy <laughs> like i look <laughs> put your feet up on the seat yeah like, lay down across this whatever mokesh <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my gosh putting your head on one of those seats yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, at some point uh, the PSP came in. Yeah, um, I was an early adopter with the PSP. Like I remember being pretty excited about it um, because of the Katamari game that was on it, hmm. and like I was such a Katamari fan that I really wanted to play the Katamari game on uh, PSP. We love Katamari, even though it's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a really early adopter for PSP, and it's not a great system. Like it's fine. I feel like I feel like the original version, the um, the off switch is so close to your D pad, <laughs> like you could turn the system off on accident constantly. Yeah. Like I remember trying to play X Men Legends two on it, and it was a fine port, except for that you would turn it off on accident. Yeah. Just trying to play it. Um, it was nuts. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Nuts. God, UMDs are crazy. Yeah, you, <laughs> that's a real weird, weird format. And now they're free. Uh huh. 
So if you ever get an old PSP and you just want, especially movies, like the idea of spending, you know, $15 on a movie that you're just going to have, like that never really took off. But mm-hmm. if you, I remember um, the PSP I bought came with like Spider-Man 2, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'd sit down and watch Spider-Man 2 every once in a while. And, uh, but other than that, you know, yeah. it, I got no use out of it. And if you go to a used media store, you're going to find just all the dumbest, worst movies. Super, super cheap. 50 cents for Wedding Crashers and Triple X. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, th- those things were the bane of my fucking existence at GameStop. <laughs> there are lots of banes of my existence. Uh, mostly around handhelds, too, because of those uh, those Game Boy Advance cartridges in the in the little uh, little glass case. But those just trying to alphabetize those fucking things. Yeah. And, and it seemed like only like the most low rent like garbage people went for them. So it was always in disarray. Ugh. Yeah. Not to be classist, but. <laughs> yeah. The, the UMD, too. Like if you get like a hair mm-hmm. inside of the UMD and then you had to rotate around the disc. To rotate out the hair into the part you had access to. Yeah. It's so weird. There's such a weird system. I'm so glad they abandoned that. Like, I really like my PSP Go as mm-hmm. a portable PlayStation 1. Yeah. Like, just, you know, I have access to the PlayStation Store, and that's the entirety of this device. Mm-hmm. That is what you're for. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it's I have a PSP Go specifically because a listener sent one to me. Um, yeah. Thanks, Craig. Thank you a couple times before, but thanks. It's uh, it's it's served me well for the show. Yeah, it's 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 a. I like the PSP Go a lot as a little device. It's very attractive to me. Yeah. Um, and kind of where we're at now, we got the you know the DS, the the successor of the Game Boy and 3DS and stuff, which has never really been challenged and is still remains Nintendo's bread and butter. Yeah. Like through any kind of lean times, like they're always going to have um these console these uh portables. They still put out great games on it. Mm-hmm. Like the the 3DS is an amazing system. Yeah. You know, just just a, a great system. There are ton, tons of good software on it. Um, the uh, and then the PSP Vita is still going. I've never had my hands on with a Vita, um, but they're, mostly because the way they, like, it seems neat to me. But the way they sell it is with, with these handheld versions of like big dumb console titles. Yeah. Like, didn't it come out as like the new Killzone <laughs> for Vita? And it's like I don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> no. Like I, I, I think that I think that the Vita is kind of the dark horse contender for like indie game machine. Just because yeah. so much stuff is being made for PSN that is compatible for it. Like, if I were to get one, it would be because of that. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. For sure. And then we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about iOS yeah. at all, which is probably where most mobile gaming happens. Oh, yeah. Right now, like, everybody has an iPhone mm-hmm. or, or an iPod. And I spend a lot of time uh, playing games on that as well. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting, too, because for a little while I thought that was going to kind of take the place of this. But it's really not because yeah. the, the games that work well on iOS – you know, it's not all of them. Yeah. So, but yeah. if I had a Pokemon on iOS, yeah, that'd be done. It, yeah, <laughs> like you could you could definitely do a Pokemon on it, and it would work really well. And the games that I that I play on it that work like work great. Like I've talked about that um that Masters of Orion clone yeah. before. I've been playing um Smash Hit. Do you know that game, Cole? Uh, no. It's good. It's it's uh it's free. You can pay if you want to be able to use checkpoints, but it's like not obnoxiously free. Mm-hmm. And it is a endless runner where you're tossing pinballs at glass that gets in your way. <laughs> and if you imagine the sound of pinballs hitting glass and think that is satisfying, <laughs> that is what this game is. It's very satisfying. You know, I think that there like there's a certain category of sounds. Are you familiar with uh, with ASMR videos? Yes. Like yeah. a pinball hitting glass. I, th- I just flashed on a video of just that that I would watch <laughs> to relax. <laughs> It 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 is it is very pleasing, yeah, yeah. and it also gives me head orgasms, like ASMR. So uh, the uh, yeah, that's not true. Nobody gets orgasms from sound. Um, they get eargasms. They they get a, they get attention. Yep. From, from is what they get. Um, the uh, they get people watching them. I'm an X man. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's get out of console corner. Yeah. And uh, get into thirty-two bit. This uh, this probably like hit me at the like at your NES time, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like the time to be uh, really really enthusiastic about games, um, mm-hmm. and I think that that informed a lot of my RPG love, you know, yeah. like this was the JRPG generation, right? Yeah, well, this and and sixteen bit, yeah, like sixteen bit has a has a you know can make a claim at that as well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I'm thinking kind of historically and quality wise, necessarily not necessarily like marketing yeah. wise, because obviously Final Fantasy VII opened open the floodgates yeah but uh i would say you know when people talk about the best jrpgs a lot of them do end up landing on the super nintendo true um but yeah they're, they're also here and i and i had a similar you know i was a really big fan of the jrpgs on the system mm-hmm. um even though i do think that this has the uh the designation of being the ugliest console generation Ooh, it's like this is this is the awkward adolescence yeah this 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 is real pimply teen yeah right here mm-hmm. yeah this is gross yeah but uh, there, you know, you can't say enough for the idea that CD storage came in, and you know, just the difference that that had. Like, you know, it's almost it's almost like a, a, if you're running like a control group of okay, so Nintendo's the control. If we just kept with cartridges, what do games look like? All right, let's switch over to CDs as our experimental group. What happens? Whoa! Because right. like that extra storage space just changed everything. Right. Sorry, right. I, talk, a, I, I talked like a like a, a, a Reddit headline there. Sorry. Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, no, I mean, it makes a big difference, but it's funny how both of them look ugly as sin. Mm-hmm. What I keep th- I think about a lot when I think about this uh, this console generation specifically is Symphony of the Night and how that's one of the best looking games ever made. <laughs> and imagine an alternate universe where the technology advanced, but the design, like you know, kind of aesthetics didn't, mm-hmm. and we just had these incredible you know, beautiful games in this generation <laughs> instead of, you know, a bunch of Dorito people. Yeah. Like, I mean, not that, I mean, obviously we had to move into 3d, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of like associated, you know, there are tons of growing pains with that. And there are a lot of, uh, you know, kind of on the record, I was not really liking 3d platformers. And it's probably be because, because so many of them don't work. What did Bubsy ever do to you? Huh? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> like all kinds of shit. Um, made a lot of bad games. Like there's just a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of uh, these games that don't really work, mm-hmm. I feel like. And when you say RPG generation, RPGs aren't really uh, dependent on that kind of thing. Nope. You know, that kind of like being able to navigate in 3D space, even if they are in 3D, that's not really important to them. Mm-hmm. So what I gravitated to in this generation was RPGs and survival horror, mm-hmm. um, both of which are slower, more paced games. Yeah. You know, like that kind of Twitch gaming kind of died with me here. Right. You know, I was not very interested in it mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Like it seemed like really all 3D was up for at this point was racing games. Yeah. And that, that's true. And racing games work. I just wasn't a big fan of them, but they totally do work. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Mario Kart 64, I spent tons of time on. And, yeah. yeah. Ridge Racer, pretty good. Yeah. I spent a lot of time with uh, with Daytona USA as a, as a Saturn kid. Um, yeah, with a wave race or whatever that uh, jet ski one for. <laughs> oh yeah, Sport, that's a good game. Oh my gosh, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, that's a that's a real good game. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, but the, it wasn't really you know it took a long time for people to figure out how to jam these old genres into new, you know, new perspectives mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, all this is making me think is like I love the way that Wild Arms looks. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really need to play that again. Like that is that is play it ripe, on your PSP go. Ripe for a yeah. Yeah, I've got it. I've got it downloaded hmm. on there. Hmm. I think um, I will. <laughs> do it, do it, um, do it in the background while like me playing Pokemon <laughs> on the car trip to Seattle yeah. while recording. Yeah. Um, yeah. So going through these, uh, Sega Saturn, mm-hmm. which uh, you know totally rushed to market. Is this the Sega system where they surprise put it out? <laughs> yep. They infamously just like, well, we got a system. <laughs> it's like okay, Sony announced their price. They walked down the hall. Quickly, they found a payphone uh, because it was 1995. <laughs> Quickly called KB Toys, and it's like, all right, you guys, you need to make sure you're home between three and five tomorrow. <laughs> UPS is going to show up with a bunch of these boxes. It's going to be totally cool, but we're good. We're like, this thing's happening. Yeah. And so, and so, like, they burned so many bridges. Again, talk talk about stuff that is like peripheral to the to you know to the hardware itself, which is also a nightmare for the Saturn. But like something that really caused the Saturn to die on the vine was that business decision, and also yeah. the fact that because of it, nobody wanted to sell it. Like Kmart yeah. would not carry the Sega Saturn because yeah. of this. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, I would go as far as to say software was a huge problem for them as well. Mm-hmm. We're like entering into that period where Sega, you know, with this and with the Dreamcast and the next one where they become this weird kind of boutique. Like we don't have very many game good games. Like we have some very good games, but we're still kind of a niche thing where there's like, so, you know, we do a couple of different genres really well. Mm-hmm. Like go to these systems for these couple of genres that, that we do great. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, but we, the, it ceased kind of become a, a broad platform. You know, if you're seeking kind of every kind of experience. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, unlike the the PlayStation, mm-hmm. which which kind of was a successor of the Super Nintendo in that respect. Right. You know, and, and just kind of achieve this market dominance. And you could get every kind of experience on a PlayStation 1, mm-hmm. you know, eventually. Yeah. And we kind of see controller design settling down a little bit because the Sega Saturn regular controller was just the six button with, uh, right. with, with added shoulder buttons. And boy, was it good. Like, uh, yeah. you ever play uh, X Men: Children of the Atom on that? Yeah, it's great. Yep, yep. Yeah, it plays really well. Yeah, um, what doesn't play well is uh, is the prototypical uh, like the controller that laid out what controllers would look like for a little bit. The the uh, the, the analog controller that ship with knights. Mm. Do you ever do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've never I've never seen that actually. I remember being so excited about it and thinking, "Holy shit, this is great! This is unlike anything I've ever used before." I just pulled it out before the episode. Basically, I I, I went into my archives and pulled out every controller that we have. And I was like, "Oh yeah, I still have this." Oh no! <laughs> like it's the it's like the cheapest feeling, like just most poorly manufactured piece of garbage. Yeah, never 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 spend any time with that one. Um, yeah, PlayStation controller though. It's good. It's great. Love it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great controller. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, yeah, the, the the PlayStation one I have a lot of affection for um, as a, as a system. Um, you know, it had some kind of issues in the the you know kind of starting out. Um, you know, with some some kind of reliability issues yeah. with it, which is also something we're going to see from here on out more yeah. or less. <laughs> like. And it's funny um, because we talked about we talked about uh, Nintendo kind of taking commodity parts and doing whatever was cheap and worked. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people kind of followed their cues, except got it wrong, and, you know, and they forgot the worked part. Yeah, and also weren't cheap. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like I mean, they they you know they they just it just yeah. So th- this was an expensive thing mm-hmm. when it when it came out. This was the first uh, my first job I got was in order to buy a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, this is my my motivation to work. Yeah. Um, did uh, did you ever have to set it up on its side? Uh, no, no, no. My my original PlayStation was a real workhorse. Hmm. 
Um, yeah. yeah. The uh, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it's 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 a nice little nice little guy there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's you know storage space. We had memory cards. Yeah. Now with this bad boy, which were an expensive annoyance, <laughs> and there were certain games and certain things. I think it was like RPG Maker required an entire memory card mm-hmm. for just to use that. Diablo which is was crazy. Uh, one of those too. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that became an expensive little add-on. And it's funny how long that carried on. Like the what? I need a memory card. Yeah. Like I remember getting that outraged exclamation as late as 2007. Yeah, when I when we were playing um, Kingsfield mm-hmm. for Bonfire Such Had, I was like, oh, I had to dig out my memory card. Fuck. <laughs> you know, this isn't a thing anymore. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. I would say the DualShock probably gives, like, for, for, for me personally, gives the SNES a run for its money as, like, the best, most solid controller. Yeah, that, that's, that's a wonderful controller. But yeah. you can see where it, it oh, yeah, drew definitely. from the, the Super Nintendo one. Like, Super Nintendo one is kind of the template. I think the DualShock is probably a little bit stronger, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, and in terms of, well, they're, they're just both so influential because the DualShock, they, Sony still hasn't changed it. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's got a very nice weight. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, that yeah. heft. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing. I, I got it for Metal Gear Solid, and I thought that you had to twist the sticks. Oh, for huh. some reason, I was like, "What in the what in the world?" Like, I couldn't wrap my mind around it, even though I'd, I had already had the uh, um, the the Saturn analog controller, and so like it was kind of like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I see." I remember that the the killer app for the DualShock was Ape Escape, mm-hmm. which sure. I never played, but I remember reading that in magazines. It's a fun game. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, and then Nintendo 64, mm-hmm. um, which Nintendo, you know, other people have talked about this a lot, you know, kind of refused to move over to a disc-based media, stuck with cartridge, which turned out to be, you know, probably not the best decision for them, um, ultimately, and put out this really, really strange controller, um, the Nintendo 64 controller, which has huge defenders. Mm-hmm. Like, I know people to this day who will defend this and the GameCube controller to their, like, dying breath, <laughs> and I think is nuts. Like, I think that what they're going for with it is that it was versatile. Right. You know, like you use it one way if you want to, uh, if you're using the analog, use it another way if you're trying to use the D-pad. But the D-pad is real garbage. It's uncomfortable if you're using it in the D-pad mm-hmm. configuration. It's you're, too you're, wide. Yeah, your hands are too far apart. And if yeah. you're using the analog, your hands are too close together. Yep. And those C buttons are atrocious. Mm-hmm. Like they're just, they're small. They're too close together. They're really hard to reach up to with your thumb mm-hmm. and hit them, you know, reliably. And uh, they ended up being used in the same capacity that a second analog stick would be used. Mm-hmm. So controlling the camera, which is something you need to be able to make micro adjustments to on the fly. Yeah. Which you cannot do with a Nintendo 64 controller. No. Like, ugh. Like, there's some, some games where it works really well. Like, you can play Mario Kart with it. Mm-hmm. And because you only need two buttons and, and the joypad. Yeah. And, and you know, and, a sh- and one shoulder button. It works just great. Yeah. Um, but it just, for, for almost anything else, like, it just had no, it was supposed to be ultimately very versatile and did yeah. not turn out that way, I don't think. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the success of that controller in a game that used it depended on how frequently you had to access those. Like, yeah. I, I feel like Ocarina of Time was probably the, like, the happy Goldilocks medium just because it's like, okay, the, this is just a toggle between different items that you have. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still that, that hands too close together was still a thing too. Mm-hmm. Like it still was just not very comfortable, you know, by the angles of my elbows 
you know, while sitting there, we're just not very comfortable mm-hmm. playing. I'm just, I'm miming it right now and it <laughs> feels squeaky. And, and if it was uncomfortable in the way that, that an NES controller was uncomfortable, you could kind of deal with it. But the idea that it was contoured to kind of fit your hands, like you, there was no freeform jazz around the way that you got at those buttons. You kind of had yeah. to conform to it and like it. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. And also, like, I, I feel like that was the like the first piece of Nintendo hardware that felt cheap and poorly put together. Yeah. Like that stick. Like you know, uh, if, if you look at the, the the controller that I got with the N sixty four, and then the one that we got a couple years later to do multiplayer, like the stick is just so much looser, and there's like white powder coming out of it on mm. the original one. Just like the like that doesn't hold up as uh, you know well at all. And you can foresee a time where there is no operational n64 controller left in a way that you can't foresee that for the snes or nes controllers yep yeah yep yep yep. Mm -hmm. yeah didn't didn't so much care for that and uh you know nintendo was pretty much fighting to keep up with everything else just by the fact that they hobbled their technical specs i mean did you ever get the uh the the ram expansion pack yeah 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 Yeah, when i was young to play uh majora's mask yep that was the one I felt really bad because my dad got me Majora's Mask for my birthday, and I didn't. I neglected to realize that it was required for oh, um, wow. for it. And so it was like, can I have a second gift or can I get an advance on Christmas? That was a real piece of shit. Didn't it come with um, Donkey Kong? Yes, country. Yeah. So I think that's part of what sold that game. That mm-hmm. terrible, terrible game. <laughs> that I, I do not like. Um, yeah. You know, it's because it came with this expansion thing that lets you play better games. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And it's like there was this weird thing where games operated without it, but at a very diminished rate. So like yeah. Rogue Squadron worked and looked so much better uh, specifically because of the view distance um, with, with, with the, you know, with, with the uh, expansion pack. But uh, you could play it without it. And it was like a substantially worse kind of thing. Um, and even kind of like most gallingly with uh, Turok 2 and um, Perfect Dark, where you like you only had access to like two player and only certain maps and things like they really ought to have just made it required. <laughs> it's it's pretty rare for uh, something to that's a very PC kind of thing mm-hmm. where you can adjust, you can have a diminished experience to make it work smoother. Yeah, you know that's not something that you usually see on consoles. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the uh, yeah so that's the that's that's Nintendo sixty four. There are some other weirdo uh, things that came out around the same time. Um, the 3DO, <laughs> which again is a joke. Uh, you know, that's just, it's just one of these things made for the angry video game nerd to make fun of. Mm-hmm. It's a um, gex machine. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 And same thing with the Jaguar and the Jaguar CD, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, nobody knew anyone who had one of those. I've never seen one. Right. You know, I just remember reading reviews of the games and lots of like threes out of fives and 2.5s out of fives. Like yeah. these are pretty shitty games. <laughs> and then that was it. You don't need so. this box. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the PCFX, which I did not spend any time with either. Yeah, no. Um, Some but, inter- interesting stuff was or, happening on the PC here. Yeah, uh, golden age for the PC. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, this, this is the money right here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, um, specifically because of uh, 3D acceleration. Um, yeah. That and just the idea that okay, everybody has uh, CDs now, so we can actually put stuff out on these multiple, uh, you know, these multiple discs. You know, you couldn't have had a Baldur's Gate or a Diablo um, yeah. if you were just shipping floppies, right? Yeah, and then these are some of my favorite, you know, video games of all time. Like, yeah. I'm so in this. And then just, you know, things like Half-Life. Like, this is when shooters started working, you know, kind of perfectly. Yeah. And and gave birth to, like, how influential this is on, on gaming now cannot be understated. Right. 
you know, this era of PC gaming. Because without without your Half-Life, you know, like imagine gaming without Half-Life. <laughs> Right. You know, it, it's pretty nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or even, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, to an extent, like Diablo or Baldur's Gate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, like this is this is just huge. Yeah. This time. It's, you know, a couple of years before Deus Ex and, and just, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, kind of going into uh, you know this area that is you know we do, we're not demarking things by the number of bits anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, Which, you know, we we, yeah. we realized oh it was arbitrary all along. Yeah, exactly. It was all it was all fake, and yeah. and this is where this is kind of a weird point for systems too. Like this yeah. is another uh, kind of in between us in between stage, yeah. and I would argue that this is kind of the stage where. We see that compression. I've talked about it before, the compression of differences mm-hmm. between things. Like, there is a big difference between a PS2 game and, like, a PS4 game and how they look. There's a huge difference, but not as huge a difference as there is between an NES game and a PS2 game. Yeah. You know, like, we're getting to a compression of space and starting to hit, you know, a slowdown in what, what we're capable of doing. Yeah. With, with this generation. Or to the point where it's really, really hard to quantify it visually. Right. Yeah. Like you know, you just the, the added processing power is being used to keep track of more things. The added memory is being used to oh, we can actually have the environments be larger. And I would say the thing that really that differentiates this PS2, Xbox, GameCube era from the previous one is the fact that you were able to have these big worlds. Right. Right. Like, this is a generation that was defined by you know pretty early on by Grand Theft Auto. Right. You know. Right. 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 Yeah. The, yeah, the 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 land of the big open world mm-hmm. we're at now. Yeah, that so. and like DVDs, like you know, they <laughs> CDs had their time in the spotlight for one generation, and everybody's like, you know, even for Dreamcast, we have to we have to bump this up in a big bad right. way. Yeah, right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Dreamcast to Sega again, rushed to market. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um trying to beat people beat people out. Um I, I, I'm a defender of the Dreamcast. I like it a lot. I feel like it's incredibly forward thinking. Um and I feel like there are like a, just a, a lot of really good games for it. Um, you know, the controller is kind of garbage. Um, but you know, it had things like the controller like, looks like a tiger handheld. <laughs> a little bit. Thing. It's the same shape as a tiger handheld machine like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Also the the cord is way too short. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't. Like, there's this Dreamcast. It feels to me similar to an N64, where like there are a handful of very good games on it, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of things I don't have any interest in playing. Yeah, you know, uh, and just not very many games mm-hmm. on it. Like it just it wasn't it wasn't a place for for comprehensive experiences. Like you know, I can count like the number of like good RPGs on the the Dreamcast. There's like Skies of Arcadia mm-hmm. and Grandia uh, Two, Grandia Two. Yeah. yeah, which was cross-platform, though. Like, you could play Grandia 2 on uh, PlayStation 2, right? Oh, a couple years later. Same thing with Skies yeah. of Arcadia. Like, it went to I GameCube. I guess that's true. Well, say, Skies of Arcadia, I remember coming way later, but I thought Grandia 2 was a little bit more contemporary. But no. there just weren't very many. And, and even those, like, of those two, um, Skies are, I like Grandia 2, but it's not top tier. Skies mm. of Arcadia is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think, but it just, you know, there it was just kind of a niche kind of system, mm-hmm. you know, for, for some of these things. And especially later when those things would start coming to PS2, it just felt, you know, like the, the definitive version of like Code Veronica 
you know, came out on PS2. Like, you know, these the games I wanted to play on Dreamcast would come out for a system I already had eventually. Would they so, would, would they have come out if the Dreamcast didn't die two years into its uh, life cycle? Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, I don't actually know. But there there yeah. just weren't there aren't that many games I want to play on Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. Like I can you know I can point out like five. Yeah, you know it's just it's just not very versatile of a system for me. Mm-hmm. Those games are very good. Yeah, um, but. I mean, yeah. like, if I, if I think about formative experiences for me on the Dreamcast, you know, I would say, like, Shenmue, Seaman, and Power Stone, all of which are things you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, and, I, and right I really like Seaman uh, out of yeah. those. Like, I don't actually mm-hmm. like those other two games very much. Yeah. But the, uh, I can see that, though. Shenmue is really formative. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't go back to Shenmue. Have you tried to go back to Shenmue? Yeah. I mean, it's I, diminished, I, but like, like this... I really can't play it now. I remember being really impressed when it came out, though. Yeah, I, cher- I cherish that memory. That was, yeah. that was a really good Christmas. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was kind of fun. Like I was, I was, you know, whole, wholly bought in on the, on the ecosystem, not quite to like Sega net levels, like never got mm-hmm. that again, uh, <laughs> brought the Sega channel argument back up and no, which is funny because this is around the time that I got the, uh, the, the, uh, we got the EverQuest subscription. So I'm not sure how I won that yeah, one. Choose one. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I wanted the I wanted the Sega Net to play uh, to play uh, Fantasy Star because I had the mm-hmm. keyboard, I had uh, I had the mouse, um, all all of those particular things. I carried my VMU to to, to school, mm-hmm. you know, to, to to raise my chows and such. Um, yeah. yeah, but like in terms of being forward thinking, this also had a VGA adapter and a broadband adapter. So mm-hmm. like this is like a PC ass console. Yeah, yeah, and just a little bit too too ahead of its time to actually take advantage of a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, PS2 mm-hmm. came out the big gigantic monolith. Um, it looks like the 2001 uh, thing, yeah. at least the initial one. Yeah. Um, you know, with with uh, with a pretty um, you know infamously shitty launch lineup too. Yeah. I remember for this this bad boy. Um, but the reason you know the fact that it had a DVD player and it was huge because mm-hmm. I re- I remember that even being a factor for me. And this was kind of I wasn't at the peak of my video game you know, playing, I, I kind of had taken a long break Yeah, I was coming back into it. And that got me to get this. Cause like, oh, I want a DVD player anyway, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure there were, you know, thousands and thousands of people made that exact same decision. Yeah. Like it's the, a big deal using that as a vector to get into living rooms. Right. Yeah. And yeah. this kind of was a little bit at the beginning of that. Like, you know, now that is a huge selling point. Like we want this to be the center of your living room. Right. You know, and that, and that, and that was the wedge that got it through. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And we alluded to this before, but Sony has never really changed the controller. At no, all. Yeah. no, because yeah, because they don't have to, right? You know, because because it, it's great. Um, this is also the, the first system that had this uh, backwards compatibility mm-hmm. to it, which was huge. Like yeah. like they just they really went for the PS2 of like ease of decision making. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to make this decision easy on you. You're going to get a DVD player, which you want anyway. You don't have to throw out all of your old games. In fact, they'll play a little bit better on this. <laughs> right? You know, like they they really were going for making this uh, an easy yes mm-hmm. for, for people yeah. to kind of move through. Do you know how they achieved the, uh, the backward compatibility on PS2? It's a, it's an emulator. No, it's a chip, right? No, it's a, yeah. Oh yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I was thinking of, um, uh, three to four or three to two as opposed to two to one. Yeah. But it was just like, they, they, they boiled it down to a chip that there's kind of like, Oh, we can put this on here for 10 bucks. Let's do it. Yeah. And you know, like that, that, that was a huge deal too, because like whole games actually use that chip for their, for their sound. As yeah. well, like Grand yeah. Theft Auto, uh, that that whole series on the PS2 was like, yeah, let's just have the like the, our sound be a whole PS1. Yeah, it's so smart because mm-hmm. as somebody who was you know uh, budget conscious at the time, having a PS2 meant you know, and it being a new console generation meant PS1 games. There were you know hundreds of PS1 games I didn't play, mm-hmm. um, probably dozens of them that were pretty good, and they were all getting really cheap. 
yeah. right now. You know, even in stores, I remember going into like a Kmart and buying, you know, I don't know, like Legend of Dragoon for 10 bucks, which is not <laughs> a great game, but it's one I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, dirt cheap, brand new because it was a new console and I could play it on my PS2. Yeah, with all of your old accessories, too. Like, yeah. it was just totally like, you know, bring the whole family along. Right? Yeah, yeah. Such a such a good idea. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and, and just, you know, made this like it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's one of my, one of my favorite systems because of that. Yeah. It's also that point now where everything looks ugly, but not too ugly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, it just escapes the, 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 the Dorito men problem. Yeah. Um, I love it because it's a, like it is the survival horror machine to oh, an extent. Yeah. Like I bought this to get Onimusha. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and also Onimusha to be a survival horror game. Uh, yeah. It's like a samurai fighting ogres, right? No, the, 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 the original one is more horror. They, they took it okay. in an action-y direction, which is funny because that, 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 that pretends what, uh, um, what they would do with Resident Evil, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, you, can, you could play all of the Resident Evils on mm-hmm. this, though, which was important yes. for that. So. Yeah. Also, and Silent 2, obviously. Yeah. Also, the Slimline model uh, PS2 is one of my favorite uh, console designs ever, mm-hmm. I think, uh, specifically because it is silent. It runs yeah. out there. There, there is no fan inside this thing. It is absolutely silent. It's air cooled. It just goes. Yeah, I, I love this thing. Yeah, it's really simple too. Yeah, like if you're gonna make, you know, I, I prefer dorky Nintendo designs, but if you're gonna make <laughs> it look like, you know, a piece of a spaceship, I prefer <laughs> that it be non obtrusive. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that kind of brought us into GameCube. Speaking of looking dorky as all hell, yeah, that's the that is that's amazing. I love what it. An ama- like the, I love one of my favorite things about Nintendo is the way that like whenever something seems like a mistake, they just double down on it, and sometimes <laughs> it works. You yep. know, like this didn't work. Like this is widely considered to be a failure, but I appreciate it so much. Like, mm-hmm. oh, that's what you're putting out in the in the face of the <laughs> Xbox and the PS2. That's great. Like this could not be a dorkier looking box. But like, th- think about what they were trying to say with that, though. Like, well, absolutely. That's what I'm saying is like, yeah. you know, they they stand behind their, their philosophy. Like, I feel like they're, it doesn't feel like they're following a market. Right. You know, and that's what that's why Nintendo survives now is like the people who want Nintendo experiences will go to Nintendo. They don't have to pretend to be anything that they're not, you know, and that's why we've, I've talked about it before with the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the Wii, you know, this current console generation and the, the you know, the one we're right on the uh, the beginning of, I guess that's the current one. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the last one is like Nintendo is the only company that doesn't seem like it's trying to beat me more than halfway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not trying to slam Doritos into my living room and make everything <laughs> into a connected, you know, blah, 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 experience. It's just mm-hmm. like, this is what we are. This is how we present it. If you want this, come to us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a confidence to it that I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, that may not be wise for them, <laughs> but <laughs> right. I, but I really like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. just like the, the we are, we are few but loud, and yeah. you know, like we will spend money on your thing, but that's not going to be enough. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Hmm. Um, yeah. So the GameCube is just a big, big purple cube. Yeah. It's so yep. solidly built. Oh my gosh! It, it totally is. With the hand, built-in handle, like is meant to be brought somewhere, yeah. and so tiny, like mm-hmm. it's just this tiny little cube. Yeah. Oh, the tiny little proprietary discs. Yeah. Have you seen uh have you seen one cracked open like the uh, the actual logic board on it? No. Oh, it's a work of art, man. It is yeah. so like it's it just like if you are turned on by order, like it is it, it is borderline <laughs> pornography. It's so great. Uh, uh, you'd, you'd have to, you mm-hmm. know, because there's so little wasted space. Mm-hmm. About yeah. that, so I have a I have, I have a little bit of a durability story on one of these things. Uh, one of my like earliest memories at GameStop, or like the the first stories that I got. Um, I started there in uh, 2004, I guess 2003, um, about the time when people would be concluding their tours in Iraq. 
like mm-hmm. like like their first their their first tour. This guy came in and said, "Hey, yeah, they'd like to trade in this uh, this GameCube," and he pulled it out, and it was it looked like it had been to Baghdad, and in fact, it had. <laughs> like it was it, like it was caked in dust like you know like you like when we set it down just you know dust came out of it etc all of the games you know just like it like, 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 like it came back from a war zone and we're like we actually can't take this in thank you for your service um but can we <laughs> like I, I trust you that it works but can i check and see if it does like mm-hmm. you like even if like you know just just, just entertain me it only take like you know three minutes of your time i plugged it in it worked perfectly like yeah, it was, I'm, it was packed to the gills with sand, but, I'm not uh, surprised. but it totally, it totally fired up. Yeah. So that's the thing with the Nintendo tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the controller, I, I, I'm a defender of it. I like it. Um, I think that I like the wave bird more than the actual, uh, than the actual Nintendo one. Um, I guess wave bird was Nintendo, but, uh, but I think that it is a success for what it is trying to do. I'm not sure what it is trying to do. Um, yeah. you know. It's 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 one of it's the ugliest controller I think mm-hmm. um, out of all of them, and it still has that D pad problem. Yeah, where like the D pad is just tiny and shitty. But you at know, the very like least, it, they moved it to a non like to the non prominent position. So yeah, like, but it, it was, unless you want to use it for something, yeah, <laughs> like th- th- that's good unless it, you want to use it. Um, which you know the game you know games sometimes would use it for mm-hmm. for things. Yeah. Um, but the uh, yeah, it's it's real uh, it's real silly. It looks like a boppet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It disappears into my hand in a way that a lot of controllers do not. Mm. So that's the, 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 that, that I think is where my affection comes from. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then the Xbox, that is, that is a weird, weird system. Yeah. I've, I've never, I've only played an original Xbox um, at that Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Really? I think we played that submarine game. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I never, I never had one. Yeah. We played uh, Blood Wake. Yeah. When we played Blood Wake, that's the only thing I played on an original <laughs> Xbox. Yeah. So. It's it's interesting because it's pretty much just um, commodity PC parts inside of a proprietary box. Mm-hmm. Um, it did a couple of things really interesting. Like it uh, it was the only system at that time to actually ship with a hard drive, and also the only system to ship with an Ethernet cord uh, or Ethernet port attached to it, like mm-hmm. just as part of the stock thing. And kind of as a result of that, it became the LAN party box. Like, I can't think of an example where a game and the hardware were so one, uh, more, more so than like Halo and the, and the Xbox really yeah. like, you know, just like part and parcel for that experience. Yeah. The, the Xbox is always going to be on my shit list for being, uh, you know, when Ion Storm decided to make Deus Ex 2 mm-hmm. work for both Xbox and PC and oh, made yeah. tons of con- compromises and, and it <laughs> fucked up Deus Ex 2, or at least in part yeah. because of that. But yeah, I just I just wasn't uh, didn't have the money or wasn't buying you know didn't need multiple consoles at the time, mm-hmm. so I had my PS2 and I was happy with that and got a yeah. GameCube a little bit later. Real dearth of games for it. Um, it kind of yeah. is Dreamcasty in that way. Uh, in in that um, all the <laughs> stuff that was really worth playing was either first party or like the the, the port of it was uh was like the definitive like multi-console like you wanted to get the xbox version of it mm-hmm. um you know specifically because like oh like what if it has xbox live functionality but right. like it's it's a halo and splinter shell uh Spl- splinter cell machine for me right um on. yeah yeah i can mm-hmm. see yeah yeah and yeah. uh we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the duke controller which uh in my halo group at least three people preferred which was really nuts that's yeah that's crazy this is the this is the thing that feels like a console like it's, it's as big as <laughs> yes that, yeah. that is as big and probably as heavy as the slimline ps2 yeah yeah that thing yeah um, 
Like, what was yeah. it? Uh, there, there's a story. It might be apocryphal. You know, I'm thinking of a Stephen King novel, but uh, the story is something heavy, like so heavy that it, like somebody knocked it off of the table and it fell on their dog and killed it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so either the stand or the original Xbox controller. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time on the PC, um, things had kind of cooled out a little bit. Yeah. Um, the, you know, Windows is the standard, and Steam has, has come about, um, which is huge. Like, just think about Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> think so. about Steam. Imagine a world before Steam. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's kind of crazy. And what, like, I'm such a big fan of Steam. Like, mm-hmm. that is such a force for good in my gaming life. Yeah. Like, it's it's never been. And I've said this many times. It's never been a better time to be a PC gamer. Where like, essentially, games are free. Yep. You just, if you are at all patient, you will get anything you want for dirt cheap. Yeah. And it will be delivered directly to your game or directly mm-hmm. to your system. Yeah. You know, you don't have to do anything. I don't even have to get out my credit card. <laughs> like I just go to, go to PayPal. Like, it is so convenient and easy and cheap mm-hmm. to play PC games right now. Yeah. I, uh, I recently went to a store to get a PC game. Uh, oh, to interesting. Get, to, to get Rocksmith. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's because that has a chord with it, right? And mm-hmm. uh, it was just hilarious because I went in there, got it, opened it up, didn't go for the disc at all, just got the card that had the number on it. Yeah. And <laughs> put it into Steam and downloaded it. Yeah. Because yep, yep. my box doesn't have a CD drive on it. Yeah, and you don't need one nope. anymore. Like, it's such a forward-thinking, like, you know, yeah. that's how everything will be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, good, you know, it continues to be a good time for the PC. Yeah. Um, and then we're into the kind of the, the high high def era. Mm-hmm. So the, the your 360s and your PS3s. So this is a little bit what I was talking about. This is where uh, you know everything is kind of trying to market to you all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is about being constantly connected to the internet, sharing things with your friends. You know, when I turn on my Xbox Live or my PS3, it is showing me ads yep. for things. Um, this is gross to me. I don't like it, yeah. uh, but it's fine. Like there, there are games I like on these systems, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, I think this is, this is a dark trend um, and it's going to continue. It's going to continue because it makes people money. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why everything, yep. you know, everything ever exists. It's why you and I are alive is because yeah. we can somehow make somebody money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sad. Mm. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, screaming Doritos. <laughs> screaming Doritos. Um, this kind of continues the let's make the world bigger. Let's keep track of more things. Um, you know, like the, the 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 line of demarcation here is you probably couldn't have done uh, Dead Rising as effectively mm-hmm. on the previous generation. And in fact, we saw that when they tried to bring Dead Rising to the Wii, it's like, oh, we actually do need this extra computing power and this extra RAM to make this kind of experience work. Right. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also kind of the big schism here, like Nintendo broke off and did really their own thing, which was, you know, the Wii, right? Yeah, again, Nintendo doubles down mm-hmm. on like what makes them Nintendo whenever they're in the, you know, the face of anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, the, you know, kind of, uh, you know, controllers are more or less the same other than the Wii. Though the Wii is really the only thing that's different. And this is when I was talking about that kind of, we're getting into those just slight iteration generations. Like there is a difference. Like there is that demarcation that you're talking about, but it's harder to see than that with everything except for Nintendo. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so the Xbox 360 um, is not, you know, similar to the Xbox One, which had this kind of, you know, it was this LAN-based system. Mm -hmm. Um, This is also based with the internet in mind. Yeah. You know, with Xbox Live Arcade and, uh, you know, being able to download games more or less right out of the box. Um, That was, that's the point of the system. Mm -hmm. Definitely. 
Um, it should be noted, I really like the Xbox 360 controller, and the idea that it has become the de facto PC controller mm-hmm. um, is really interesting to me. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. Like, I, I, It took me a little while to get into it. It took Dark Souls, essentially, mm. for me to dig it, but now I do. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I've gotten used to it. Yeah. Um, the 360 also had... Uh, have you ever had a 360 fail? No. No? No, I, I got into the 360 pretty late. Okay. To be honest. Like, I, I didn't... Uh, this is the console generation that I got into... The latest, like this was during another break in video games and also during a real emphasis on old games. Mm-hmm. Like I had my computer and then I also bought up a bunch of old systems and were playing them yeah. you know, around when this console generation started. So mm-hmm. it took me a while to, to get a 360, a PS3 yeah. or a Wii. Yeah. But uh, this is the one where it strikes me that they redesigned it not to actually like save. Well, they did to save themselves money because people were suing them left and right. But uh, just the idea that this console evolved to a point where like, okay, now it works. Right. You know, right, both right. changing the chipsets and also the actual form factor. Yeah. And luckily um, I got in after that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which, uh, which feels good. You know, that was, that was a plus. Yeah. And then the Wii, um, again, really solid. Uh, mine still works. I haven't, the only like big error that I've heard of with the Wii is, uh, the disc read stuff with dual layer DVDs, but that's about it. Like, yeah. And I have not had that problem. Yeah. With it. Um, yeah, the, the Wii is interesting. Um, you know, probably the, uh, the biggest factor for the Wii for me is the virtual console. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the biggest selling point for me. Yeah. Um, was just the, you know, somebody I read somewhere, this is an original, you know, but somebody said when you buy a new Nintendo system, you're really just buying a license to play old Nintendo games. <laughs> um, and there, there's some truth to that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to be able to play in my living room without having 16 different systems. I want to be able to play Zelda 1 and Zelda 3. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's something to that. And uh, that that service has kind of expanded to be a little bit more interesting than that and have, you know, games from those systems that, you know, like TurboGrafx-16 games and, mm-hmm. and such that we didn't get a chance to play and Japanese-only games from time to time. And, uh, you know, it's become like a really interesting kind of service. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have everything. You know, it's not perfect, but uh, it is a really good way to play good old games for a couple of bucks. And right. the emulation is usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, a, that's a big, big factor for me. Um, Wii Original Games, I, it, it's similar to iOS where if it's built for the control scheme, it can be very good. Mm-hmm. If it's trying to cram a, a square peg into a round hole, it's usually shit. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something that I, that, that I found continues to be true. Like I, like, I will have a great experience with the Wii game. Like, it just works perfectly. For the control set or it doesn't work very well at all yeah 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 they have a boom blocks or i don't know a zelda twilight princess yeah yeah red steel or something like that Ugh. yeah like um exactly yeah. or even something like um no more heroes mm-hmm. you know which is fine but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't you know do as well as say are the re4 part or boom blocks like you said boom blocks is great mm-hmm. i love that game yeah um, um yeah. yeah this this has the i i consider the uh the i haven't like the pc one but uh the wii version of re4 i think is the definitive one for me yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful wonderful yeah. part of that uh the game this is a weird point of minutia but i really love the uh the analog sticks on uh the the wii associated stuff um yeah. specifically because of uh something that nintendo had done all along even from their first one which is actually having grooves in the cardinal directions Mm-hmm. So everything else has just a circle surround around everything, which kind of makes it hard to like align yourself, like yeah. to like to a direction. But like with the Nintendo controller, and I'm kind of sad because the Wii U lost this. Like you know when you're pressing it, direct cardinal up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I agree. The classic controller is wonderful. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the PS3, which I feel like is 
basically just the, the Xbox 360, <laughs> except yeah. harder to develop to develop for, right? Yeah, and and took longer to to get going. Yeah, you know, but yeah, there's just not that much, you know, difference to mm-hmm. it. It it it's it's really an offender in my like everything needs to be a sleek spaceship design <laughs> sense too. Like I really hate the way this thing looks in my living room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like it's trying to be cool. I hate that um, it takes up a whole shelf on my entertainment. Yeah, center. that's true too. It's yeah. huge. Yeah, like that—that's that, a problem. Even the slim one, its footprint is way too big. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then just when I when I turn it on, that dashboard, like both this and the Xbox 360 dashboard, drive me fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Like just the, the scroll of of things I could buy at the top. I'm sorry to keep harping on that, but like <laughs> no, that no, is what it's... that is what defends the or defines this and then this current uh, console generation for me in such a gross way. Yeah. <laughs> like I already bought the thing. So, you so know, are, like are, I own it. Like I already paid the money for it. Leave me alone. So let are, me own a thing. <laughs> are you are you offended by uh, by Steam? But like because because like I, I agree with you. I think it's really gross. I, I like it on Steam because I almost always see like oh that game's two dollars. Click buy. Like there's there, there's something about the way that that Steam does it. Maybe it's just because it's only advertising games and not like the Dorito Fun Time Challenge Hour. That's that's a big part of it. Is it's actually only games. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is because Steam because they are a better value, mm-hmm. you know, almost exclusively on Steam. But the biggest part of it is that you can go from your desktop icon and go directly to your games list mm. and bypass it. Yeah. Whereas if any time I turn on my PS3 or my Xbox, I'm instantly getting Dorito Football Hour, <laughs> no matter what. Like there's no way to go directly to what I already have. Yeah. You know. So I, I, I mean, it is. It doesn't bother me nearly as much on Steam. I think that know? there is an option, but it's buried so deep that every time I try and go look for it, I get discouraged. Yeah, I've never, I've never done it because it's also so busy. Like there are so mm-hmm. many different. Like this is everything. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> go into the browser. Who's putting like video or like photo slideshows <laughs> on their fucking PS3? There's an option for it. <laughs> yep. If you want to, but like who's doing that? You know, mm-hmm. that's ridiculous. It just, it's too. It's just a little bit too much. Yeah. You know, and oh. just, uh, yeah, it doesn't does not bother me on Steam. Yeah. You know, the the PS3 is a wonderful media streaming server, though. Yeah, no, I mean it's a fine system. Like mm-hmm. I like it. I you know that's where it's where I play my Souls games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's where I it's where I watch my Netflix. But mm-hmm. it's just uh, just that part of it is just really abhorrent to me. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other part of the the Steam thing, I think it really is the fact that in the Steam section, it's called the store, and you go to it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I'm browsing my games, I'm not seeing a banner ad of other things I could buy mm-hmm. scrolling across the bottom. Yeah. That's really it, it, it's, for me. it's not the integrated living room consumption experience. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And just it, that just feels intrusive and gross to me. Mm-hmm. So. You know. Yeah. And, and I think that like just in terms of like what we've seen in the you know the last half of this previous decade and into this one like like down like digital distribution is 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 the thing that is like the banner you know in in hindsight like even with the Wii you know just kind of like oh mm-hmm. you can, you can buy and download this stuff like you just have access to this whole world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with a, with a credit card number, I think that that is probably the biggest mark that all of these are going to leave. Yeah, yeah, and and the biggest like the different. I just want to opt into that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want to have it shoved down my throat. Yeah, you know, there's so much power to like. This is there's a confidence to this is what I what we are. Mm-hmm. You know, come to us if you want, yeah. as opposed to this is what we are. Don't you want it? Here it is. Here's another thing. Here's another thing. Like. Yeah. You know that that's that's a real turnoff, and that's that's weird. I get shocked when I go back to a to an old system and press the press the power button and it goes directly to a game. Yeah, like, like that is that 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 is such a creation of this of this of this last generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just nice though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to just be able to get to what you want without having this layer of noise mm-hmm. between you and that. You know, yeah. um, 
but yeah, and then during this time, you know, PC, Steam, which we talked about. Um, also, this is the age of like you know humble bundles mm-hmm. and uh, indie gala bundles and stuff, just leading to that this glorious time to be a PC gamer where gaming <laughs> is free. You know, if you if you have ten dollars a month, you can play video games the entire time, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's kind of the end of the first side yeah. of things. And we're not going to obviously talk about PS4 and uh, <laughs> Xbox Four and stuff. It is an old video game yeah. thing, but I guess this is the time to announce that we now consider the Wii generation to be retro. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, so you might end up seeing a. You know, I think we could we could if we wanted to do something like No More Heroes for a while, if we could. Yeah, and not and get away with it. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah. I, th- I think so. So here is the line. <laughs> and for side two, um, we're kind of talking about uh, the periphery, peripherals, um, games, you know, in which hardware are core to the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, there's there, there's a lot of dinguses out there. Yeah. Yeah, there, you know, whenever there is a, a system, there are going to be people who are trying to, to sell you little things <laughs> to attach to it. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, and you've got to hear in the notes, and I agree with you, <laughs> is that they were so shitty until all of a sudden they weren't. <laughs> yeah. But they were there were just generations and generations of console stuff, where console generations where like peripherals were just synonymous with absolute trash. Mm-hmm. You know, just the garbagest of garbage. And I'm I'm just wondering, like, like what what the motivation behind that was. Like you know, just true. Like it, it was was the idea kind of similar to what we were saying about the through the the through thirty two X, where they were just like, here, buy this big plastic thing. It is a new toy. It is a new you know everything that will change everything for you. Well, there were tons of them where they were attempting something that was actually kind of forward thinking, mm-hmm. but the uh, technology wasn't there, and they just went ahead anyway. So like you look at something like the U Force, mm-hmm. right? Or um, the Sega, I think it's the Sega Activator, whatever yeah, that yeah. hexagonal pad <laughs> on the ground. Like that is, you know, that's like a, a Xbox move or an Xbox <laughs> twist or whatever the next <laughs> the, the Xbox Pac-Man machine yeah, pong. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't played gadget. anything since what Pong. <laughs> whatever them gadgets are called. <laughs> it's just an Xbox gadget. And the, the uh, but they just didn't work, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, it's the same kind of principle. Um, but they, one, they weren't thinking about, like, what games could be made for it, mm-hmm. you know? So it wasn't about that. It wasn't working from the experience backwards. And the technology just wasn't there. They just kind of rushed them to market, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, there's something, like, there's nothing inherently stupid about a power glove. It's just that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not that different than a Wiimote in how it's supposed to work. It just doesn't, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's 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 a lot of flash. It's a lot of pomp and circumstance for something that just is nothing. Yeah, yeah, because it's mm-hmm. broken. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so <laughs> kind of something before we get into things that have uh, more you know diverse uses, like game specific special controllers are always going to have a little a little bit of a place in my heart. Yeah. Specifically, the RE4 chainsaw controller. Yep. Yeah, which is garbage to play with, oh, yeah. but looks cool on your shelf. Yeah. And the uh, Dragon Quest Eight slime, which like <laughs> proclaims like it's I'm cute and I'm a controller too, right on the front of it. Um, I love that thing. That thing's on my shelf as well as mm-hmm. just a cool trophy. Yeah, you know, just as a cool little nerd trophy. Yeah. Um, so, so basically, the, the the broad banner here is things that will hurt your wrist to use for extended yeah. periods of yeah. time. Yeah, don't use them. No, <laughs> no. Um, I've, if I were ever, I've never. I don't think I would get a video game tattoo. But the one I've gotten closest to getting was a Dragon Quest slime. Mm-hmm. 
like the actual just pixel by pixel Dragon Quest slime because oh. I like the way that thing looks. Yeah, even more Did than not- a, than a Metroid. Uh, I love a Metroid, but the, the one I've gotten closest to getting. Yes. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best one, <laughs> but the one I've just been like, I should get that. Yeah. And it never did. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'll be okay dying without video game tattoos. <laughs> yeah, I think I so. Think, I, think, I think I'll be okay. Um, <laughs> we should get that, like, the Skyrate that over GDC. Yeah, or you'll something be okay. Like the Skyrate, oh, be- oh man, PAX East is going on as, as of the time we're recording <laughs> this. We could totally, like, hire a Skyrider. And it just says you'll be okay if without a video game tattoo. Yep, it, it'll take a while for it to happen. That's and people in Boston are going to be like, "What?" But I think that like we will that, have done a service. I I don't actually like if I see somebody that have a video game tattoo, mm-hmm. I don't hate them, no, you know, or hate that or anything like that. It's just not for me. Like it's mm-hmm. not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. No, if you if you have but, something like speaks to you, the, yeah, sure. The the tattoo that I've always been closer to getting is a Stephen King reference. So yeah, you know, hmm. yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. and then ooh boy, the poor kid controllers. You weren't gonna get your your mama's kid or mama's family tattoos. <laughs> no, that wasn't mama's family. Oh, okay. it would have been Adam's family. I would have got Adam's, would have gotten family. Adam's family go. tattoo. There we go. <laughs> yeah, they're like the like the like the late eighties, early nineties are a weird uh, sitcom blind spot for me. Yeah, that is strange. Yeah, yeah. Basically, no basically, it was just like Cheers at that time, and that was about it. Like everything yeah. uh, that was on, that was on Nick at Night when I was when I was growing up. Oh, this is an, this is officially an abject suffering episode because I'm talking about because <laughs> I'm talking about Nick at Night. Um, and, you know, it basically just ended up through uh, up, up through let's say different strokes, and that was about oh, okay. It. Yeah, different, <laughs> Dif- different, yeah. yeah, different strokes. Yeah. Don't you pronounce that or <laughs> or he could be sent to jail? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then uh, the 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 poor kid controllers. I remember yeah. those as well. Uh, Mad Cats was the was the exclusive purveyor of these for a long time. Mad Cats um, is weird because that company uh, switched over to being really high quality at a certain point. Yeah, uh, Mad Cats was that, super garbage, and then once like home fighting sticks, mm-hmm. like when they became the fighting game company, yeah, they got huge. Like when I went to, last time I went to PAX, <clears throat> they went to a Mad Cats event where they had like two of the street fire champions playing against each other and stuff i'm actually wearing headphones they gave us as door prizes <laughs> after that and they're really good headphones like yeah. i think that know. i think that point was uh was rock band actually oh, okay because they were after after a point i think like uh, starting with rock band too they were the manufacturer of those uh of those instruments and that's when those instruments really really jumped in quality okay yeah because i remember the first rock band or seeing a knockoff uh guitar hero controller i don't know who made it but it wasn't very good mm-hmm so maybe it just happened at a certain point, but yeah, yeah Magnets really got their act together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good for them. Yeah, big big Mike, big Mike's done well. <laughs> yeah, big Mike from Mad Cats TV, which is <laughs> which is a big British guy who I've seen at PAX every time I've gone for some reason. Who does <laughs> does the like man on the street stuff? That's big funny. Mike from Mad Cats TV. <laughs> so. Oh man. Um, yeah, this also, uh, the, like the, these were also the, the realm where, uh, cheats were built in turbo buttons and such. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, um, what is it? The pro action replay. Mm, oh yeah. Yeah. Like yeah was, we never talked about that, but it lets you do save states. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, I've got, I've got a whole, uh, whole category in the notes for those actually. Yeah. But okay. we can talk about them there. I mean, yeah. like it's kind of, it's kind of right in there. The game shark game genie action replay, like just the, just these weird things that these companies that uh, made shitty controllers let you plug in to just mess with the code of games. Yeah, that's, man, Game Genie. Mm-hmm. Like we could we could do a whole, <laughs> we could almost do like a whole episode on Game Genie. Mm-hmm. Fucking Game Genie. Yeah, 
I guess we couldn't. I guess that that'd probably be the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Fucking game, Fuck game, game genie, Fucking man. Game genie. I love a game genie though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, those uh, those weirdo controllers, which mm-hmm. always just had shitty plastic. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like, oh, these these parts don't fit together very well. And even as a kid, I knew it. Yeah. Like, like this doesn't work. Um, the seam is digging feel. into my palm. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I noticed that even when I was too young to appreciate anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was the yeah. it was the little uh, the little brother controller. Yeah, you know. Yeah, little cousin in my case. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, like even up up to today, uh, again referencing my GameStop time, which is my sole point of reference for a bunch of this hardware. Like, like there is a market online for uh, like pro Call of Duty controllers, and Mm -hmm. by pro, I mean they have automatic fire. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which I'm pretty sure gets you actually like banned now for using. But people people look for every uh, every single advantage they can get. Um, also the, the controllers with the fans in them, like the, like the hypercoolers yeah. or whatever. That's very funny to me. Yeah. I'm so. just like, just, you know, just in case you want to have your hand sweat broadcast yeah. throughout the entire <laughs> dorm room. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> if, if your palms are sweating so much that it's creating gameplay problems for you, see a doctor. Yeah. Or, or just take a break. You yeah, okay. no fever, son. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Oh man! Take a sit down. Did you ever? Uh, did you ever hear the uh, the Nintendo thumb thing when you were little? Like, are you gonna get a Nintendo thumb? Like, mm. basically RSI, you know, r- r- repetitive stress injury from uh, from playing, uh, um, you know, Nintendo too much. Um, I'm fairly certain that Nintendo is why I'm double jointed in my thumbs because mm. up to a certain point they wouldn't bend backwards like they do, and then around the time I was playing Riddick Bow Boxing on the SNES at my dad's, um, I just noticed like, ow, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oh, they totally bend back. I can do this now. <laughs> yeah, I'm an X Man. Um, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and then Logitech, my, my one of my favorite controllers I own still today. It's working ten years later. Is my Logitech PS2 controller wireless? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They made they made a really good um, SNES looking Nintendo or uh, PC gamepad, hmm. kind of before the uh, the advent of the the Xbox. Yeah, controller for that that I used. Yeah, and continue- play emulators. Continuing uh, uh, Logitech love, the mouse that I use, the Logitech MX518, uh, um, mm-hmm. the one that I have right now, I've had for 10 years. Um, I have a backup one in the closet for when this one breaks. I don't know if I will ever have to use the backup one. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nothing like my cool uh, Transformers Razor, razor Adder, though, <laughs> mouse that I'm using right now. Yeah. Did, did, I, did were you here? Did you see my, my Transformers mouse? It's uh, embarrassing. Yes. It's okay. pretty funny. Razor makes uh, good stuff, though. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a great mouse. It yeah. just it was just uh, the Transformers branded one was a little bit cheaper, <laughs> so it has a cool Decepticon logo that glows <laughs> on my mouse. I was going to say at the very least you could ignore it because your hand is always going to be yeah, over it. But... Yeah, but whenever I take my hand away, I'm like, oh yeah, I have this stupid thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like the Decepticon logo is kind of like the uh, the Rebel or the uh, the Empire logos from Star Wars in that you can you can ignore it. <laughs> a little bit mm-hmm. like to somebody yeah. who doesn't know what that actually stands for it just looks like yeah. a weird little tattoo design Un- under it it says in big letters transformers oh yeah so other than that <laughs> that would be true except for it looks like i'm constantly out deceiving the autobots <laughs> um, like, anywho mm-hmm. um let's talk about guns oh yeah troubling issue in this country a little bit it's uh it's upsetting. environment the um but <laughs> when guns intersect with video games mm-hmm it's yeah. great. The, you get the, the zapper. First, the first time I saw a gun intersect with a video game was at uh, my childhood arcade. Mm-hmm. And they had a skeet shooting game that used, um, like, an arcade skeet, sh- sh- uh, skeet shooting game. They used, like, projected, 
the seats onto like a big tarp. Hmm. And it was like this weird, I don't know what company made it. I was too young to like be interested in that. But there was this very expensive skeet shooting game. You know what? That, I've yeah. seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Might be an Oprah memory. It might be just manufactured because you said that, but I've totally seen that at like my old arcade. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I remember. And I was just like, oh, cool. Um, it's like, this thing's great. It's a big motherfucker. Like, yeah, it was, it's like an installation game. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. And it, it, the colors are really washed out. Mm-hmm. And that could have just been my copy of it, but yeah. the uh, I you know I had a zapper, an actual zapper, the mm-hmm. NES zapper. Oh which, man, uh, yeah, yeah, you know that, that sound of the. <laughs> the, the <laughs> yep. Yeah, hold, hold on a second here. I have a, I have okay. a zapper within reach. Th- thank you. <laughs> Mine's in the other room. Oh man. Okay. ASMR videos. Yes. Pinballs <laughs> on glass. Orgasm, our followers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm controlling your dicks with my gun. I'll whisper now. The, the zapper was pretty cool. I like the gray one. I like the gray one. Oh, get closer. <laughs> um, God, I love that sound so much. Yeah, it's 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 so good too. Mm-hmm. I bought I bought this from a thrift store that lets you buy stuff by the pound. <laughs> it doesn't have the cord attached to it, but it was mm-hmm. it was something like a dollar a pound, and this thing like weighs you know, or it was it was even less than that. It was like thirty cents a pound or something yeah. like that. So it was, this is a very cheap uh, was a very cheap thing. The yeah. cord is is being cut off. Like someone used it for a Halloween costume. Yeah, I did I did that actually yeah. once. Yeah. So I have I have two zappers, one corded, one cordless. The way the zapper works is really interesting. Yeah. The way it actually, you know, makes the uh, the, the screen itself is what's reacting mm-hmm. and flashes white and then kind of looks at where the, the gun is pointed. Yeah. Um, it works fairly well, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't uh, never, you know, it seems like something that'd be really unreliable, but, like, you could play some Duck Hunt and, and, it, and yeah. it worked pretty good. And that's the way that uh, the, the Odyssey um, gun worked. Too. Yeah. Like, that was that, like, up until the Time Crisis one where you actually uh, fed the video into the gun itself. Um, that was the way that, uh, that like that was the underlying technology. Mm-hmm. I remember fair, learning fairly young uh, by trying to get close to the TV, uh, so close that like it possibly couldn't have been registered. Mm-hmm. That you can win duck hunt by just covering the uh, by covering the end of the gun. Yeah, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But then you won duck hunt. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Woo. Yeah. We. Also, also Hogan's Alley, which is really fun. Yeah, Hogan's Alley, not bad. Like there weren't very many games for the zapper, but no. The, the ones that were there were good. Mm-hmm. Um, Super Scope, I have a weird soft spot for. Like, uh, I had a Super Scope. It unfortunately took a 1,000 batteries. That was probably the biggest problem with it. Mm-hmm. But the uh, Super, so- Super Scope 6 game mm-hmm. that came with it, like, those were all pretty fun. That had the, uh, uh, the Yoshi. Uh, Yoshi the, Safari, yeah. which is Mario on the back of Yoshi with a bazooka, like, <laughs> hunting down, like, pretty much going through uh, Mario Kart levels. Yeah. Uh, we should really do that for Abject Suffering. I don't want to spoil too much about it because it would be a really good game for that. Like... <laughs> Um, but the, I'm just it, picturing it, it, you, yeah. picturing Mario with a bazooka, like he shaved a mohawk. Like one day a hard rain is going to come on this island, <laughs> wash all the filth off these streets, out these pipes. It's, it's essentially what happens. Yeah, in the game, it's it, it's really hard, even with a mouse. Like it was it was hard to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Super Scope, I remember having like it was just it's neat looking. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like a, a toy I would buy on its own. Like and it's also like just so over the top. Mm-hmm. Like everything has a light gun. Let's just do a light bazooka. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, do you think that that was a reaction to uh, to media watchdogs, like like to Congress, because they pretty quickly went from a gray zapper to a to an orange zapper. Like maybe yeah. the zapper was just too realistic, and like let's make this something that couldn't possibly be mistaken for an actual gun. 
I never I never thought about that, but that's that's definitely possible. Yeah. I mean, same thing with the Eliminator. It pretty much had the same form factor. Like, the Eliminator looks goofy, too. And yeah. also, also it's either a, uh, a, a ZZ Top album or a crazy euphemism for pooping. <laughs> I gotta yeah. go Eliminate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a time yeah. crisis gun. Oh my gosh, that is a really, really good piece of kit. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is which was such a such a a, a singular kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the time crisis gun for playing time crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what it was for. It was like a, a mono use. Like there are a couple other games that worked with it. I think um, uh, was it Point Cross. What's the name of that? Uh, point like, blank. Point blank. Yeah, yeah, that would work with it, right? The Point Break game uh, worked with it. Yeah, had yeah. to shoot Nixon. Yeah, yeah, yeah shooting, uh, shooting Swayze. Um, <laughs> Poor taste. But the, uh, the um, yeah, that was it. Was just just for a couple, like a handful of games, like literally like two games mm-hmm. worked with this thing. But it worked really well. It felt really good. Yeah, I just like the the one bummer that I have about it is that none of them had the force feedback that the arcade one had. Again, adding mm-hmm. to the pleasant gun sounds. <laughs> like yeah. the, like the feel and sound of that uh, gun kicking in your hand is really really satisfying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's something that has kind of gone away. Like in the Wii, every once in a while you'll see, you know, you can play those uh, those Resident Evil games, yeah, which, which use the zappers. Which are really a, good, except they get wrist fatigue playing. <laughs> you get super wrist fatigue. Like, I, I feel like you have to play those, like they're balanced for two-player, so you can kind of rust a little bit. Um, or like Link's crossbow training or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, which like use that same kind of that same kind of idea. So the idea of just kind of a, you know, a gun peripheral went away but in a way like it, it shouldn't have like when you play um those those resident evil light gun games that where you can't use the light gun for them oh uh, oh yeah the survivor yeah gun survivor dead a, like yeah. Dead aim. yeah um those are real trashy um you know so you you kind of like it's for a very specific kind of game mm-hmm. and, it, and it works really well for those and if you try to go one way or the other it doesn't work yeah you know? mm-hmm yeah, and uh, that was kind of an arcade holdover. Um, and the other thing that was an arcade holdover, segue, 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 uh, sticks, mm-hmm. control sticks, um, yeah. fight, you know, fight pads, stuff like that, uh, which are still a booming market today, uh, which I don't understand because it kind of seems to me that you have to pick a stick for uh, for a particular game. And I, I, I'm not quite sure how that works. <laughs> Do you have a different $400 stick for every, for every franchise or what? No, and uh, Nick does it. And yeah. essentially, like, yeah, Nick Nick has a really nice uh, arcade stick, and he has, mm-hmm. like, several of them because he's really into fighting games. Yeah. And uh, he – I mean, he has the fighting games that he likes to play, but essentially he just kind of bought them and then bought custom parts that are just arcade parts. Hmm. Like, the idea is you're trying to get as close to an arcade yeah. stick as possible. So essentially it's just an arcade stick for your lap. But for fighting games, I've always been – you know, I played most of my fighting games playing Street Fighter on SNES, so I'm used to the D-pad yeah. for it. But I guess it does make a big difference. It makes, like, a lot of the – super esoteric combos easier to do mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah he's he he would be the person to uh you know yeah. he he has a lot to say about that so and it kind of makes a little bit of sense to me because you know a lot of those quick movements need to be done with the wrist which yeah. like like doing those with the thumb almost seems like it runs against the way our hinges work yeah yeah and, and more than that like a lot of the uh, the combos when i'm watching him play he'll do um like a series of buttons like da 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 you know, faster than your thumb could do. But if you're holding your hand over the buttons, like typing, essentially, yeah, you could you couldn't do it that quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but uh, but these go way back. I mean, the NES and SNES Advantage, uh, which was kind of the genesis of uh, of Turbo. I remember playing mm-hmm. uh, Mega Man Five with uh, with the NES Advantage and having the the Turbo on. So Mega Man was just always firing. Yeah, and it made it less fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As it um, would. 
Yeah, Tur- I like I like turbo in a in a shooting like a yeah. shooter. Yeah, you know, if I'm going to play like a, a shoot 'em up, then before they then actually just decided, oh, that totally makes sense and made every yeah, shooter... most of them just have it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and design around it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pads are another big arcade thing too. Um, the uh, the power pad. Um, yeah. Which everybody just sees their hands on uh, because yeah, uh, Nintendo people are not athletic. Um, What's well, that? Even if large. you, it, what it was, it was more than that. It was that. <clears throat> Like even if, if you were running on the power pad, mm-hmm. your character would not run as fast as you were running on the power pad. Oh yeah, because it was like, more about like, the your, rhythm, right? Yeah, like you had to use your hands to get any kind of speed. Also, those games were so ridiculously tough that like if you were going to win, you had to use your hands. Like mm-hmm. you would have to be like an Olympic sprinter to get to a <laughs> decent run in track, you know, track well, and field. It was an Olympic game. Step up, me and yeah, step it yeah, up. I guess that's true. Rise to the challenge, game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I should probably be an Olympic level athlete to play this video game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone used their hands because there was no other choice mm-hmm. uh, for it. I always thought that it would be cool if the, I wanted like a, a power pad version of like Twister. Like, mm. It almost seemed like you could have like an NES Twister. We just told you the number to go to, <laughs> like that, that would have been like, like a, that taboo tarot card reading game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it should have just been built in with the power pad. Like hmm. if you had the power pad plugged in and didn't have a game in, it would just give you random things to try to twist to. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, hey girl, want to come over and play an NES Twister with me? Yeah. Why are you running away? Me? Why are you running? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, and then DDR um, pads are kind of like the uh, the the weird twin version of the, the fighting sticks because people get or at least got super serious about those. Yeah, those uh, metal. Yeah, yeah, like the actual like installation ones that had uh, that weren't just the, the uh, <laughs> yeah that had the bar <laughs> that uh, that weren't just the the rubber like the vinyl uh, stretched over. I had a couple of coworkers who were like crazy into it and uh, a way to uh, a, a way to shut down any conversation with them because you're always looking for those kill switches um, mm. for for people. Uh, especially mm-hmm. in an in an adolescent environment like a uh, like a GameStop, is how much did you spend on your DDR pad again? Five hundred dollars. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> a Laputin machine. The, um, <laughs> the uh, uh, yeah, I, the uh, but it, those make a big difference though. Like mm-hmm. I had the the vinyl one, um, but I, I had a friend who had the the metal one, and it makes a huge difference. Yep. Like you just you know you you don't slide around. You don't, uh, you know, you, when you're reasonably sure when you're going to hit the thing. Like, if you're going to be in the DDR, you kind of need one of those, you know, a more serious pad to do it, get the oh. experience at home. Yeah. The vinyl ones don't really work for it. Yeah. Like, it is way too expensive. It is a more mm-hmm. expensive hobby than I'm willing to. Yeah. And I like DDR. Like, DDR mm-hmm. is really fun. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, you know. and, and my, my shutdown phrase is, how much have you spent on rock band instruments? Yeah. So, so yeah. like. You know, everybody everybody has their own, but I, t- I totally understand. Like the like the feel even is better. I always felt a little bit gross on the vinyl ones, actually. Yeah, because just because yeah. of the slipping and sliding around and stuff. Yeah. My shutdown phrase is: How much have you spent on real instruments and getting pussy? And I'm just like, <laughs> and I just put on some sunglasses and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> Wait, listen, anyone who has listened to any music that I've made understands that it is not the kind of music that gets anyone any pee. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, no P for me. No. Um. Motion control. Yeah, motion control. So we talked about the power glove a little bit, mm-hmm. which um, would, if it worked, it would be cool. Yeah. But it doesn't work, and it just ends up being a controller that is wrist mounted <laughs> that you use on on one hand. It's also way more complicated than I ever understood. Oh yeah. Like the way we had to put in the code for the game you're using to like. Mm-hmm. To like, tell the power pad what 
game you're playing, like like which sensors to use, because it checked two things. There was something you had to mount on your TV too, right? Because it was checking yeah. out for IR as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It just doesn't work. It looks cool. Mm-hmm. It was a cool idea. It just doesn't even remotely work. Yeah. And uh, that's that's going to be that's what these things all do. <laughs> yep. Like none of you know, even down to the connect. Like I mean, I guess the connect kind of works. Mm-hmm. But the uh, you know the Sega Activator and U Force, which we talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Again, cool ideas that don't work. Yeah. And, and the activator literally was just a ring of IR sensors that you would put around yourself. And if you interrupted the beam, also you couldn't use them if you, if you had a ceiling over, I think, 12 feet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> if you interrupted the beam, then it would like press that button. So yeah, if you were trying to do the uh, the you know Johnny Cage's like bicycle kick combo or whatever, you were just swiping your hand to the right several times over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, just... then you had the 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 buttons behind you too, mm-hmm. which like who's accurately stepping behind you in one of like four directions? Yeah, no one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the U force, which was like this. Boy, like a, like a plastic grid that you'd put your hands in, like a little bit like the um, like when Iron Man is uh, manipulating yeah. Tony Stark is manipulating the the computer and just kind of moving things around in his little virtual desktop. It looks like something James Bond would use to remote control a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is is what it looks like. I never got a grasp around how that worked. And there were games that were designed specifically for it, uh, like one or two, but never by uh, was U Force Mattel. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, like, even fewer than the than the Power Glove, which at least had, like, Powerball um, or that yeah. Clax game, uh, which whichever one was a semi-3D uh, breakout. Yeah, Powerball. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> everything had power. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, power was the, the word of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the fishing controllers on the Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, which I have kind of a soft spot for. A little bit. Like, those like, were funny to me. That one actually and, worked really well. <laughs> Yeah, but this for con- such a specific thing. Those continued like long, like like long beyond, and I think that maybe like probably like part of part of what this peripheral uh, craze was speaking to was dads. Like I have a whole category on the notes here for like dad semcroft. Yeah, but like like even even far beyond the Dreamcast, like anything that was like fishing or hunting had a had a special controller that was attached to it. Yeah, yeah, like a big orange shotgun. <laughs> yeah, you know for yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those fishing controllers work though, and it's just like if you want to play fishing games, there's um, I think I've seen a couple of YouTubes of people trying to play other video games with the fishing controllers, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Yeah, um, that's a good idea. Um, and then we enter into the kind of modern age of this stuff, the non-Wii motion controls, starting with the PlayStation I. Yeah, which is a weird thing. There was that card game. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, like when I put PlayStation I here, I was actually thinking, thinking like PS2, which uh, like for iPlay or uh, iToy or whatever it was. Yeah, maybe it was called the iToy on PS2. I always forget. Yeah, but like it was a, it was like a third party thing that they bought and had it there. But you're totally right. The PlayStation I, uh, what was it? It was like the power of the orbs or something like that. Yeah, where it was yeah, augmented was some, reality. Yeah, yeah, some card game where you would like show the, the your PlayStation the card you had, which is like badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I cannot, I cannot poo poo that in good faith because I probably would have went in on that whole hog if I had the money at the time. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's neat. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure, I'm sure that's a really cool idea, and it's better than what they would end up using. You know, the kind of visual things for later, which is making you dance around in your living room like an idiot. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. The uh, the Wii Mote, which just worked on its own, had a lot of like little dongles to attach to it. Yeah, not um, even like dongles. Dongle implies that it had functionality. Like, yeah. Like there was the, like go to any like uh, big lots uh, or odd lots or dollar store and you will see a bumper crop 
of like put this tennis racket it'll be your tennis racket wow yeah yeah just to, just to just to play it's like role play props is what yeah, it exactly is. there's larping yeah my favorite's um, the bowling ball yeah that's very funny yeah um the uh yeah, yeah. and then the little zapper thing yeah. for this that didn't really work either the housing looks, yeah yeah that, Again, it was just, you know, like, I think even the steering wheel worked a little bit better than the zapper did because it didn't, yeah. it didn't force you to have this unnatural configuration for your hands. Yeah. yeah. Your hands are just too close to each other. It was like yeah. a little oozy. Yeah. But the, but the Wii remote is really, you know, really interesting to me because it's really just a bunch of hacks put together mm-hmm. into this, into this retail thing. So it's really just a couple of accelerometers and an IR sensor over Bluetooth. And, uh, and, uh, I forget like the, there's this one guy, I think he was at Carnegie Mellon who did a bunch of like head tracking experiments with it. Like it's really, really hackable to do interesting things. So the yeah. Wii remote is almost like this, uh, vaguely open source, uh, kind of, uh, kind of monolith in, uh, in hardware modding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some of those videos as well. Yeah. Spooky. Yeah. yeah. And then now uh, we have the move and the connect. Yeah. Which, um, Yeah. I don't really have a lot of interest in that, honestly. Every time I've been around one and played with it, I thought it was stupid. Like, I thought the games that I was playing with them were stupid. Yeah. You know, I was just like, this isn't very fun. You know, I just haven't had uh, that much. And that's where that, that I'm Han Solo dance game came from. <laughs> that, is, that, that video that is just atrocious. Yep. Um, you know, but like my friends, Ben and Courtney, they have a, <clears throat> a connect. And I've gone over there and played like this kung fu game, mm-hmm. where it's like your character staying there and you just kind of kick things to the side and stuff. Yeah. And like as a party game experience, I guess I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it feels even more shallow than Wii Sports. Yeah. To me, and and we we Sports is pretty shallow. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a gaming experience, so yeah. these are not for me. I I've think. had one really good experience with the Connect, and that was playing Child of Eden. That uh, that mm-hmm. came from the from the res guys, um, and that was that was more from a, from an audio visual experience. You kind of felt uh, like some kind of like cosmic space conductor. And, that, uh, that, I could see that being neat. Yeah, and you know it's like a shooter, but you're you know reacting to the music, and you know I just kind of got lost in it a little bit, and uh, that was that that was a really good experience. And I think that that falls into the same thing we'll say over and over again: like have all the extravagances that you want, just build your game around it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And and the the a lot of the games for Move and Connect that I played felt more like um you know like shitty ninety nine cent shovelware kind of things. Yeah. Like they felt like the worst of the iOS store mm-hmm. to me. Like they didn't feel like they were a game. You know, there was any kind of sense of design in it. It was like, wouldn't it be fun to slash the fruit in half? You know, <laughs> it was that kind of thing. Um, no, not really. <laughs> um, you know, so. But kind of getting into the, probably the, the high watermark, Ooh, yeah. I think, for this stuff, um, is instruments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, somehow this is a match made in heaven. Um, you know, starting probably with the uh, the NES Miracle Piano Teaching System, <laughs> um, which I've always wanted to get my hands on the actual keyboard because you can use that as a keyboard and as a Nintendo-branded keyboard, hmm. uh, which I'd really like to, uh, to have a copy of. But, uh, you know, starting from, from way back then, people have been kind of fusing instruments with uh, video games and making magic that way. Yeah. 
it, it just makes perfect sense because you know some people are visual learners and mm-hmm. uh you know just the, the the coupling of the visual thing with this tactile sensation like you know if it's not directly teaching you like the you know nintendo teach yourself piano solution system uh whatever that's called um mm-hmm. you know it's giving you the approximation of it right yeah yeah yeah, yeah and and just making music is fun mm-hmm. inherently fun so like gamifying it just works really naturally yeah you know that's what people used to do for entertainment instead mm-hmm. of uh video games like get together <laughs> play some have a hoot nanny yeah um this kind of taps into that so kind of the first you know we have on here the uh samba de amigo maracas yeah which super fun yep that, that's a game i like on uh, dreamcast quite a bit like just really fun music to listen to like what that paired mm-hmm. up with with the exception of mamba <laughs> number five like just kind of yeah. like let, let's just make this music like make a game based on this really fun latin music yeah. Like, just shake your maracas to, like, La Bamba. Like, do it. It's yeah. super fun. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, Taiko Drum Master mm-hmm. kind of goes in here uh, somewhere. There's a fun uh, arcade version of Taiko Drum Master they have at the uh, Family Fun Center we went to. Yeah, we played that. I think we yeah. talked about it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty decent. And I, and I love a, a Taiko Drum Master. That game is really cute. Yeah. And uh, and lots of fun as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Donkey Konga. Um, which yep. is which is pretty good as well. Those those are really solid. Um, even the ones at uh, PRG. Unfortunately, we couldn't do it that well because of the microphone and the uh, the general loudness uh, of mm-hmm. the of the surroundings. But uh, those are the, the, those things are tanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been really fun. And then at some point, someone realized, you know, okay, rather than just something percussive, what else can we do? And mm-hmm. and uh, I guess like kind of before this, um, with like um, uh, what is it like Guitaru Man. Or uh, B Manny, like there was kind of a guitar peripheral in the arcades. Uh, yeah, Guitar Freaks was uh, was the yeah, Konami Guitar one. Freaks, yeah. yeah, and then eventually though, Guitar Hero is really where it kind of came into its own. Yeah, and uh, and this this is this was responsible for getting me back into new video games after a huge lull. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went whole hog, hog into Guitar Hero and Rock oh, Band. Yeah, yeah, all of, like all of those games. Mm-hmm. I, I was huge into them. Like Guitar Hero was a revelation. Like. I was just like, well, this is my life now. Like, this is <laughs> yep. this is so fun. Yeah, I remember seeking it out because it didn't have a hard release date. Like, it was something mm-hmm. that didn't exist, didn't exist, didn't exist. Then I read about it online. Had to have it. Nobody had it. Like, Best Buy had a demo unit up before anybody had it available to purchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, I remember going there with my girlfriend at the time and just being like, I need to do this. And fail out of Take Me Out by Franz Ferdinand several times and embarrass myself because I need to experience this. And you're so right. Like, if if I've logged more hours on handhelds, I've probably logged more hours on music games because of Guitar yeah. Hero and Rock Band than other yeah. stuff, really. But just, like, once it unlocks, it just feels so good. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's so amazing looking back on it where how you can, you know, I always sucked at easy mode where it's just those three notes and I couldn't do it. And then when you eventually pull off something that's, like, fairly virtuosic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on it, like I never got, I'm, I'm, there are some things I can do on, uh, you know, expert mode and something, most things I I can do guitar hero and rock band. I don't think I'm as good at it as you are. I can do on hard consistently Mm -hmm. and expert on some songs. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, once you get up to that new plateau or get past a song that's, you know, specifically troubling you, it just feels so good. You know, it's very, very satisfying. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things I was thinking about looking at this is part of the reason why, these games are so successful is because your gameplay is automatically uh, broken down into discrete units of time. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. So you're, you're never, you're always going to be, you know, similar to like super Mario brothers three, I guess, where like you go through a level and the level's going to last at most, you know, three minutes or so mm-hmm. you're going to be playing this song unless you're trying it over and over again, but just going through the song, you're going to be trying it being in the same space for at most three minutes. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then you have this kind of natural rhythm where you're then you're taking a break, you're resting your hand, it's evaluating you, you're kind of looking back on how well you did, you know, thinking of what parts you really need to work on, and then you go into it again. Like there's this kind of like ebb and flow mm-hmm. to these games. That's just uh, you know really appealing. Yeah, and that that that's what made like them so great for me because they landed pretty much right in late high school and college for me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just because like you would be able to like it was a game you could realistically play in fifteen minute bursts between classes, mm-hmm. like when you're back at house, you know, like when you're back at your house. So that like that that time investment thing is totally right. And like even you know for a party, like if you have a bunch of people over and somebody doesn't want to sit down and like you know be invested in a, in an hour of something, they can say like, oh, I love Killer Queen. Let me play that. And even if you're not playing it, you're still listening to music. Yeah. You know, as you do at a party, mm-hmm. um, and it's so it's so Guitar Hero, and then you don't have it here on the list here, but uh, me and uh, my ex-wife were really into Karaoke Revolution as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was part and parcel of this. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, which which was really great. And I remember um, wanting those things to be combined before I knew Rock Band was a thing, <laughs> because Crystal was more into Karaoke Revolution than I was, and I yeah. was more into Guitar Hero than she was. Mm-hmm. Also, I remember this is just a side note. Um, <clears throat> taking the karaoke revolution microphone mm-hmm. and putting it up to my keyboard and then playing the vocal lines on a keyboard <laughs> to, to play karaoke revolution, which was never a way that it was intended, but it oh, would, that's it would great, work, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but then rock band came out, which is like, who doesn't like rock band? Oh, like it is gosh. such a unifying force for good. I remember seeing the image of that drum set in EGM. And I was like, this is, this is what my life is going to be about. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. It is so, it is so fun. Like, I, I never wanted to play the drums before I saw those, and then immediately it was like, I, I, I'm going to know drums now. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. It, yeah, it, it is so, 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 so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so good. And it's it's interesting, too, like, one of the things about, so when you had a Guitar Hero and Karaoke Revolution, you could choose your playlist based on the strengths of the individual instruments. Mm-hmm. So, like, any song in Guitar Hero is going to have an interesting guitar line. Any, you know, song in Karaoke Revolution is going to be fun to sing. With Rock Band, they made some concessions where there are some songs that, like, have pretty bland, shitty bass lines mm-hmm. or really monotonous drums because the other parts are, are fun to do. Um, but somehow didn't matter. You know, like, I remember playing Rock Band and being really into learning the shitty, monotonous drums on, like, Reptilla. Yeah. You know, which are like, there's nothing to them. Yeah. You know, like that song is really just a bass and guitar song. And those are mm-hmm. the, the fun parts of that. But getting really into like, I need to have the stanima. Yeah. Or stanima, you know, to, to do this uh, hi-hat the entire time. And that's a weird thing for a video game to do. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> mean, know, I want to do this boring, exhausting thing and get good at it. Yeah. I mean, Everlong is not that interesting on drums, except to play it is a feat of endurance. Yeah, you know, like this, like the like the time, like the day that I five starred that, that is the you know that like not to like goon out, but like that is one of my biggest gaming achievements. Is like yeah. I like I can like sustain at least on this crappy. Uh, I did it on pro drums on this on you know, on these crappy mushy electronic drum pads. I can sustain like three minutes of straight sixteenth notes on a hi hat, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, and I didn't know any of those terms before I walked into this experience. And it's also um, it is like the drums specifically are such a one to one ratio. Mm-hmm. You know, like I got that, and then I bought an electronic drum kit. Um, so because I, I didn't have room for a real drum kit, and just like you know, made recordings where I played drums on them. And I'm not mm-hmm. a great drummer, yeah. but I learned how to play. You know, and just kind of learned the the kinetic verbs mm-hmm. of playing drums uh, entirely from Rock Band. Yeah, which is like, just it's 
really neat. I, I like. I have to know how to cross over. I need to know how to, you know, yep. like do, you know, polyrhythms and stuff. Like it, like and you know, especially from Rock Band Two on, like it actually had teaching tools built into. Yeah. It. Yeah, which yeah. were which were really great, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was modular, like the um, this talk about a game that does DLC well. Oh God, where like the DLC is reasonably priced, and you're always getting like the value you got is evident evident before you get it. Mm-hmm. So like you knew what you were buying. It wasn't like here's a level, you know, here's an expansion, you know, maybe it'll be good, maybe it won't. It's like, oh, I already know I like those songs. Of mm-hmm. course I want the Cars pack. I'm going to buy the entire first Cars album. Yeah. Like, you know. And like it was weird because because like you, you know, there were there were songs and there were bands that you knew, like even if you didn't personally think, "Oh, this is going to be really hard." Like I bought All Star because I knew people would want to play it when they were over. Right. You know. <laughs> Like just they just they had the idea that they were that they were curating this huge track list for people to get a hold of, and you know I'd be remiss if I didn't say I discovered a lot of music, you know because yeah. of, you know be like because of these series. A funny little anecdote. Uh, so more than a feeling was in Guitar Hero One that came out my senior year of high school. Um, there was a ballot being put around to nominate our class song, mm-hmm. and more than a feeling is one of the funnest songs in that game. It's a really good oh, song, yeah. right? Um, you know, it gets people singing along and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, let's make more than a feeling their class song. And more than a feeling was our class song in 2006. That's great. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a, that's an amazing song. You mentioned Killer Queen earlier too, mm-hmm. which is my favorite Guitar Hero song. Yeah. To play on there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so good though. Yeah. Like there are not enough good things. And I'm jealous. Like I ended up getting rid of my kit because I moved into a very small apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, got rid of my my rock band stuff. But that's always on the tip of my tongue of things to rebuy. Yeah. Especially now that my upstairs neighbors are like. These super laid back stoner dudes mm-hmm. who would not care if I made noise in all hours of the night. Yeah, um, is very tempting to me. Yeah, and eventually, the, like the instruments got really, really good. Like, uh, yeah. like, like I, I really, really wish that I would have sprung for the Beatles kit. A, mm-hmm. you know, because you know those are really nice looking instruments, but because those are probably the most solid of them. And yeah. you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want a Hofner bass controller or that gretch oh my gosh like the like the, mm-hmm. the second i come into any kind of like fuck you money it's going to be to buy a uh like a like a navy blue gretch um <laughs> guitar not the not the rock band one that's just a little yeah. bit of a side but um but then the pro instruments too like uh yeah. like i i made a point to get the the rock band 3 pro set because i wanted to uh make drums better and guess what it makes drums better like a lot mm-hmm. better um and then uh i also have the uh the mustang guitar the one with uh, the like the 222 fret buttons as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. To play the pro, not that great. I'm kind of happy I have, I have Rocksmith now, uh, which is yeah. uh, very uh, effective and uh, also kind of spooky in the way that it works. But. Mm-hmm. The um the one of the things that when I had friends that would play guitar because I was always in bands, I had lots of, and I would bring them over to play uh, rock band, and they would play guitar on it and they would have a hard time with it. And, you know, the better you were at guitar initially, the harder you had a hard time with uh, in Rock Band. Yeah. And I was, like, always trying to figure out what that was. And then when Rock Band put out the keyboard, and I, I, you know, I can play <laughs> keyboard in real life, I had the same experience. And mm-hmm. what it is is you're looking for notes that aren't there. Yeah. You know, like, you, your mind knows what note is going to come next, and you're going to play something, but, you know, it's stripped that out. Mm-hmm. And if you play on pro mode or, you know, on expert mode where it has all the notes there, you just have to automatically know how to play the song. Oh, yeah, because if you're you trying know? to actually, like, play it by sight. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's you know. not you, even if you can sight read music, that's not the same. Yeah, it's same it's, thing. it's a completely different and, skill. And the tempo in, in rock songs tends to be a lot quicker than most yeah. music you're gonna sight read. That, not always, and, but that and it also it also demands more precision than any performance yeah. you would ever do requires. And that's yeah. why that's why singing in rock band is always a little bit goofy, you know. Yeah, because it requires you to be a robot and hit the pitches. You know? Yeah, yeah. Even though it, it, 
awesomely does not matter too because like oh, yeah. rock band <laughs> is one of those games where like you know and very quickly they introduce that no fail mode where it's like mm-hmm. you can just have a party and and just have it go like it's such a good time i need to go to the, the ground control does those rock band karaoke nights i should instead of like buying a kit i should get together get together like three people and start a band for that yeah and just go there and put in you know do our name and everything and it's really fun like they announce you your name and everything <laughs> like that and they do a whole thing that's so, amazing super super cool mm-hmm. um yeah, and then there's dj hero yeah Moving on. I got that for um, free. <laughs> I got that, that for free because of my press connections working at yeah. the college radio station. Yeah. yeah. Which I like, I would try DJ Hero. I think mm-hmm. I tried it once in a demo in a store and I was not that uh, that excited about it. Yeah. It's about, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's the weird kind of like, uh, you've got to hear another dad Simcroft, um, which are the, <laughs> this is the, uh, you know, the serious like PC gamer simulation things. So like flight sticks. Yeah. You know, serious, yeah. serious flight sticks. Yeah, the, oh. the, the, those people who will simulate a an L.A. to New York flight in real time, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, desert bus. <laughs> cool. um, Steel Battalion, which, uh, you know, I've never played anything with, but I'm familiar with it. It's just a really huge, complicated controller. <laughs> it's, um, pretty, it's pretty fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, would, I would try it. I'm not uh, against doing it, but I, I just have not yeah. done so. Yeah, the Novin Falcon, which I actually would like to try. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, okay, so it looks kind of like the portal gun uh, to to an extent. So it has uh, these the uh, so, so it's uh, it sits on your desk and you grab onto this ball and this ball is um, oh yeah yeah it's a tactile yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like as you like as you press the button to fire, it does like a pistol recoil. Valve kind of went in whole hog on it and nothing mm-hmm. really came of it. Also now combined with the Oculus Rift, there is that Oculus Rift porn experience yeah. <laughs> where where the Novin Falcon is uh it is uh connected to a pocket vagina. Um and uh it's real gross. Yeah, finally. <laughs> so take, take that sim dads. <laughs> two two um, great tastes which will make you never want to eat again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Never play video games again. Yeah. Um yeah, and then at this point the Oculus is kind of in this category too as mm-hmm. you know, and it's not consumer hardware yet and we've we've talked about the oculus mm-hmm. you know not as part of the episode many times mm-hmm. on it so i'm i'm kind of interested to see where it goes i'm a little bit oculus skeptical yeah you know just because of uh mostly because of how much uh, a range of motion is important in video games yeah uh, especially first person games like i've never played a first person game where i would tell you know in in i turn around about as fast as i do in kingsfield <laughs> and that was that was something it took a long time to get used to mm-hmm. Um, but being able to like kind of whip my head around at the speed I would need to for video games seems so again, just like all of these things, it's going to be dependent on designing games for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think all the people who want to play a call of duty in first person are kind of fooling themselves a little bit and whatever actually comes out for this VR technology will be a totally new thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I liked it. I tried it at PRG and it was pretty fun. I'm skeptical of any technology where the thing that everybody who makes it, like the, you know, the entire team says, is we're this close to making it not make everybody throw up. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there have been enough words and ink spilled about the Facebook oh. acquisition of it. But that is a, a thing like that gives me visions of robocop <laughs> board rooms you know like this is a new way to get marketing into things and they've said as much mm-hmm. like i just you know again it's, a, it's an old drum for me to beat but it is a drum that i like beating yeah i can't i can't help it but that does make me suspicious of it as a as an experience so yep. oh well um oh. yeah uh handhelds had a real weird thing where like before handhelds had <laughs> light yeah before they worked 
Um, there's all those weird things you can add to your Game Boy, including that one that looks like an open window. Yep. So it's like the two speakers yeah. that fold out on and the magnifying glass comes down. It, it was it was uh, several it was several um, things that you would put together. Like yeah, it, it was different products, including overlays over the buttons to give it a joy like a like an arcade joystick. But it was definitely mm-hmm. Voltroning out your. Uh, it was giving your Game Boy power armor. Is essentially what it yeah. was. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, make that work. And then the the light things that would. You know, the only system that ever really needed that was the Game Boy Advance yeah. regular, but they never worked. Um, you, you always have this glare in the corner mm-hmm. of it yeah. and everything. Worm yeah. lights. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about cheats. Yeah. Um, before. Out of these, the only one, like, I know about the, the Game Shark and the action replay. Um, mm-hmm. I remember fucking around with the Game Shark to get uh, Sephiroth on my team in Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. Before, but the only one I spent any real time with was the Game Genie, which my favorite, and I think that you can do this with the later ones too, but the coolest thing about the Game Genie was making your own codes mm-hmm. um, because you're just fucking around with the code of the game and you could just fuck around with it mm-hmm. endlessly and just get it to do weird shit. Um, and that was great. You know, like people were still discovering, you know, or were still discovering codes for, for Game Genie yeah. games up until relatively recently. Yeah. Um, I'm curious yeah. how many people's like understanding of like programming came from messing around with those variables. Yeah, probably some. Yeah, and if you if you had that background, you were probably much better at it too. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. isolating those things. I had a Game Shark. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was it was very similar in that you know there there were codes you could make yourself, and uh, that came out like in time with you know Game Sages and Game Facts and stuff to mm-hmm. where people would put up their codes to be like you can totally get Sephiroth in your team, but you can't save, and also it will wipe out your entire memory card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, Action Replay was a little bit beyond my time. Yeah, I remember too. renting a Game Genie actually, which was yeah. bizarre. Would you? Yeah, I would do that to get through. Like you know, specifically, like I would do it to cheat mm-hmm. sometimes, which is a weird thing to think about. But you know, that would be the point of it. My favorite Game Genie codes though were the ones that fucked with physics more yeah. than anything. Like you do those Mario ones where you had super like moon jump mm-hmm. Mario and you jump over the flag and that shit <laughs> was great. And then there were kind of like a, a whole suite of games that had a peripheral that came with them or their, the experience is dependent on the peripheral. Um, starting with Gyromite, which I was going to mention, this is Cole's edit. Um, for music, you could do a lot worse than the Gyromite music. Oh, it's great. Like it's going to be hard to come up with uh, music for this episode since we're not talking about a specific game. But yep. that Gyromite theme is one of my favorites. I've made, I've made notes of every game we've okay. talked about, so we're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that Gyromite theme, that should go in there somewhere. Oh, mm-hmm. and I guess we're also talking about Mario Paint, which is excellent. <laughs> music as well but the uh yeah have you ever played with a rob played gyromite no no i haven't i i have once it's always, um, it's always been like an oddity for me it's real weird it it adds this element of like there's different modes for it but it adds this element of randomization yeah because it's a it, physical which, object yeah and it doesn't really work <laughs> like i mean on the newsflash gyromite <laughs> really doesn't work um but i like i want to like gyromite so bad like between the music and just kind of the aesthetics of it, like, and it's kind of an interesting game where you're like putting down these turnips and trying to trap turkeys. Mm-hmm. And these turnips, you can smash them with pillars and stuff. Pretty neat, but it does not really work with the rob mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, but rob is an attractive object. I've got a rob uh, again with an arm's length, just as like a trophy thing. Oh. Wow. Um, yeah, I bought it from a PGRE one year. Oh. And I, if I, once I get a power glove, my like trifecta of things is complete. <laughs> trifecta so rob power glove the zapper okay like a 
nice I, nice like looking uh, peripherals. I was gonna say not U Force. <laughs> yeah, not, not a U Force. Well, that thing doesn't look cool or anything. <laughs> yeah. Just like that. Yeah. Um, but Rob was a cool idea that never never really worked. And I love uh, one of my favorite things is in that um, in the Wii Smash Brothers when he came back as the <laughs> the you know as a, the villain more or less. Yeah. Um, that that's great mm-hmm. to me. I really like that. Yeah. As an idea, he's become a part of the lore. Yeah, like Robbie from uh, Fantastic Four or Herbie, <laughs> Fantastic Four. It'd be funny if it was Robbie, huh? Yeah. yeah. Um, but moving into uh, you know one of my all-time favorite um, things, I guess, in video game history, his mm-hmm. Mario Paint. Yeah. Which came with the uh, Nintendo Super Nintendo mouse. Yeah, the idea of bringing a mouse to console. Yep. Yeah. Well, not just the the mouse because so few games used it. There mm-hmm. were a couple other games that used it other than Mario Paint. But Mario Paint in and of itself is an institution. Like in my mm-hmm. life, <laughs> like I spent so much time. Like not only do I you know use make music on it now using the Composer program, which I I can't really hype enough. Like that is a great little piece of music software. Um, it's not exactly the same as Mario Paint. It has a couple of different voices, mm-hmm. um, but they sound like they belong in Mario Paint. Yeah. But even back in the day, like this was my first you know music tracking experience. Mm-hmm. Like this was this is Mario Paint was probably the first time I remember making music, you know, and writing music, yeah. you know, which is huge. That's that's huge for me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's such a big deal. Or at least recording music, I guess, would be would be the way to put it. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and that just can't be can't be overestimated. Like concurrently with this, you know, like with, with or sorry with that is uh, you know the idea of having I think that there was like rudimentary layer based stuff. In, uh, in the actual paint part of Mario Paint. And so that was pretty fundamental for me was making visual arts uh, with yeah. it too. Like just the, the, this idea of making a console into a creative tool. Yep. And that's the big reason why I wanted that uh, Nintendo 64 DD or what have you. Because mm-hmm. it had that Mario Studio, that successor to Mario Paint oh. that they only got in Japan. It's not called Mario Studio. It's called something else. But one of the like the add-on uh for the i think for the nintendo 64 that only came out in japan only had like three games one of them was a successor to mario paint okay and uh i would have liked to have had that um they had that animation yep studio that was another one for me yeah and it also like it just has it has the same sensibility that warioware has Mm -hmm. like the little when you press start and you see that little baseball player doing sit-ups or Mm -hmm. something like that like it had a warioware aesthetic to it that i really love yeah like uh Man. I mean, and you can't say enough about the uh, the mosquito swat, too. Yeah, yeah, which was which was just you know, a, on paper was just a mouse training game to like, mm-hmm. teach you this new input method, but really it was just kind of a fun little mini game. Yeah. Um, for it, but all the different like dissolves, like when you yeah, there's like ten different options for erasing your your art mm-hmm. that were all different. Um, the music when you save or load uh, uh, animation. Mm-hmm. Like sticks in my head. Um, Mario Paint is so cool. Like it yeah. is, it is just, it, it is so cool. Yeah. And people have done really, really incredible art on it, both you know musically and visually. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it's, it's, it's the best. Duckfeed.tv slash store Stoic Club. Um. Yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like yeah, one of my favorite things about it was it had the preset music things, which were, um, it had the Mario theme, mm-hmm. and being that was the first time I remember. Here, knowing a song very, very well, mm-hmm. and then looking and seeing what the composite parts were. Yeah, you know, like I, I can look at the sheet music of this and play around with it, and like, what would this sound like if I replaced every instrument with another one? Yeah, like what does the Mario theme sound like if I replaced the the timpani drums with regular drums? Mm-hmm. You know, with tom drums, like, yeah. and you can, and then you could play it. You could just kind of endlessly experiment with it. Like, it is so huge. And I think that Mario Paint, like it, it, it hit me young enough that it might have been my first real exposure to uh, to solfege notation, like mm-hmm. to actually seeing a staff. Yeah, 
yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it just, yeah, it, it is just huge. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. Like, Mario Paint would be, I mean, honestly, like, is is the pro answer for Desert Island game in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know? Because you can just do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, there were a couple of other attempts to bring mice to uh, to consoles, specifically uh, for the Genesis, uh, the Wacky World's mouse. Not nearly as mm-hmm. successful, although that did have a nice little sequencer uh, built into it as well for uh, for laying down music tracks mm-hmm. um, for, uh, for 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 a different little scene that you were making. Um, additionally, also there was the uh, the mouse for Dreamcast, uh, which lets you play Quake Three Arena. Oh, yeah, which uh, worked nice. really well. Still have that. Uh, both that and the keyboard are very solid. Yep, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Game Boy Camera kind of uh, rounding yeah. out the uh, the creation thing. Oh, boy. Yeah, Game Boy Camera is wonderful as well. Mm-hmm. I love that thing. Um, I've still got – that's why I keep my Game Boy Pocket around. And my, my Game Boy Camera is is permanently attached to that. Yeah. Um, again, just that, that sense of fun, like that WarioWare-esque sense of fun to it. Like all of the, the kind of uh, interstitial scenes and the minigames mm-hmm. um, had that, that feel to it. You know that like that that side of Nintendo that I really appreciate the weird side of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like where sometimes like you know it would show those like those little pictures of like regular people, but would show those uh, super scary kind of faces on them, make them look haunted and mutated and deformed and stuff. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, I just remember the advertising, not just, but I, you know, I, I've experienced mm-hmm. with this, but um, uh, the the advertising campaign, which was smile, you're on Game Boy Camera. Like playing off of again, speaking directly to my heart, playing off of a cultural reference from twenty years before the thing came yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, good. You know, I was going to say this is a really good way to learn about uh, photography mm-hmm. or image manipulation at the very least. Yeah, you know, in the way like you're able to kind of adjust these sliders, contrast, and everything. Yeah, and see what they do in a really safe, like kind of non-academic, fun environment. Mm-hmm. That you and know? you had uh, Pokemon stickers over stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, and the the printer paper that's like super hard to find. I remember when I first got into you know I got a Game Boy camera when they came out and I got a, a Game Boy printer and instead of the paper and then the paper became really really hard to get mm-hmm. um, and it's still really hard to get and is the most expensive part of a Game Boy camera. Yeah. Um, if you want to fuck around with it and the Game Boy camera because it doesn't connect to anything is a limited the storage space is limited without a printer you know you can only hold so many pictures on your Game Boy camera and that's it. Yeah. Um, but man, yes, yeah, stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. With this, I remember making this like little video of a uh, uh, silly putty, like de- um, devouring a GI Joe. <laughs> um, you know, you're using stop motion animation with this thing. Like, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. God damn it! Yeah, um, I'd be remiss <clears throat> if I didn't say that uh, Neil Young's uh, "Silver and Gold" the album cover was shot with a Game Boy camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty good album yeah. too. Part of yeah, his, so uh, fucking... um, yeah. you know, resurgence before he got crappy yeah. again. Yeah, the the uh, Game Boy Game Boy camera um, like resolution and specific you know crappiness of those images is really resonant with me. Yeah, yeah it's just such a fun toy. Mm-hmm. Like uh, ah, yeah, that's yeah. Nintendo. Yeah, man, <laughs> that was really like that's that's the, those two products kind of back to back, like coming out in the same couple of years of each other, is real like watermark. Yeah, for that stuff. Do you want to talk I about time when prices. Nintendo failed? Yeah. <laughs> Do I ever? <laughs> when Nintendo recognized, oh, uh, Mario Party is giving people stigmata, so we need to send them <laughs> gloves ASAP. Yep, 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 yep. Which, which is, I, I, 
never got that into Mario Party, and mm -hmm. partly because of this. Like I, the first time I tried to play it, I was like, "This hurts. I don't like this that much." <laughs> so I quit. imagine how much the people who powered through it and got the stigmata loved Mario Party. <laughs> that is More an exercise in empathy, there. right there. <laughs> yeah. More than it deserved. Like, yeah. I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. It's not a bad game, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, for some reason, uh, the Game Boy Advance had a lot of weird little special Game Boy carts. Yeah. That had things in them. Um, there's uh, the, a lot of these ones that are listed here. Uh, WarioWare Twisted mm -hmm. I played a lot with, which had a little accelerometer in it. That is so fun. Um, yeah, it's super cool. So you actually have to turn the, turn the Game Boy um, as you're playing it. That's mm -hmm. really fun. Um, Boktai. Yeah, which yeah. I always meant to play, but I never actually did. That's the uh, Hideo Kojima survival horror stealth game. That's uh, kind of anime -y, where your uh, where sunlight is the weapon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actual sunlight. You have to actually go outside and mm -hmm. you know, be a, be a person. Yeah. Um, and then Pokemon Pinball. There's a Kirby one as well. Yeah, where they had Rumble built in. Yeah, yeah. Did the Kirby one have Rumble? I don't, I don't know if it had Rumble, but I think it had an accelerometer in it. Hmm. I think you had tilt, Kirby Tilt and Twirl. Okay. Or Kirby Tilt and something. Yeah. Um, and you actually, you know. Uh, like like an iPhone game, like you know, essentially like uh, uh, sliding heroes. <laughs> uh, we would move the uh, move the Game Boy around to mm -hmm. to manipulate Kirby. Yeah. So. Hmm. And <laughs> then uh, so like down into again to the to the Dreamcast thing where they were putting out specific uh, accessory accessories for those. Uh, the Res Trans Vibrator is really really mm -hmm. hard to get a hold of now. That would yeah. uh, buzz in time with the music to to. Yeah. Um, you know, roll you in to the to the experience and make people uh, uh, um, have people do very very immature jokes about <laughs> vibrators. Yeah. yeah, yeah, about about putting vibrating things onto um, one of their genitals. Yeah, until they achieve orgasm. Yeah, yeah, that, as you do, <laughs> um, as one does. I had a, a stepsister who uh, it came out um, that she did that with a toothbrush. Like a uh, electronic toothbrush. Wait a minute. They yep. sell electronic toothbrushes for any other reason? Uh, <laughs> I thought it was like neck massagers. Yeah. Well, that, made, that made, definitely makes sense. But it was it was exactly the wrong time for me and all of my <laughs> idiot little friends to find out that she masturbated using a toothbrush. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> or an ugly squiggly writer. I, I wonder if the, <laughs> I wonder if there's uh, if, if, if there's anything uh, to be made of uh, vagina dentata in that in that trend. No, yeah, yeah. probably. Huh. Yeah, you man. If you had vagina dentata, you could kill two birds with one stone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk about getting, I would getting brush your teeth more right. orgasm every time I did it. <laughs> That's uh, how you get kids to brush. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> <Whoops>. Nope. <laughs> Why do you say that out loud? <laughs> don't actually. I wasn't thinking about that before I said it, and I wish I had. Yeah, um, <laughs> pretty bad. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of things that are a little bit off color, the Seaman microphone. Yeah. Love this yeah. game. Which, which, yeah, that, that game is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And uh, it worked way better than the Hey You Pikachu microphone, <laughs> which is probably the closest thing to the Seaman the microphone. But we talked about it before. The reason why the Seaman microphone worked is because the character didn't necessarily care about you, was actively hostile towards you. Yeah. You know, so it didn't actually have to obey you. Mm -hmm. So the recognition only kind of had to work, and it was built into the fiction if it didn't. Yeah. You know? And I never realized how much I loved talking to Francis York Morgan 10 years before. Yeah. Uh, I was actually talking to Francis York Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, I've never played with a Tony Hawk ride board. It's a nightmare. Don't do it. Okay. That's what I've heard. <laughs> um, you can see similar things in arcades. I've, 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 you know, kind of been on arcade skateboarding. Yeah. Listening, that, listening but, to Pennywise. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're supposed to were supposed to work the same way, and never really even worked in the arcade. But yeah, <clears throat> that's that's a real tragic arc, the Tony Hawk arc, because we we talked about before how good those games are, yeah. um, at least initially, and that's really kind of taken a taken a real shit. Mm-hmm. But luckily, the old ones are still there. Like, you can still fire those up and yeah. get with them. And then that the weird uh, Pokemon. Uh, trend with like the Pokewalker, and then there's also the um, what is it? There was like a little Pokemon oh, Tamagotchi, it was, yeah. It was the Pikachu, uh, it was the Pikachu, uh, like Tamagotchi thing that had the stuff yeah. counter to it. Um, yeah, that was like that was kind of my PDA for a little while, actually, yeah, because that was my yeah. alarm clock for a minute. And mm-hmm. uh, I remember I it, it must have it must have worked because I remember being very excited to uh, take that with me to, to gym class so I could get more volts to use in yeah. the in the slot machine game. Yep. Yeah. Like mile run day was a field day. Yeah, the, also, the field Poke- day was a field day. The field day. <laughs> um, the Pokewalker I used the first time I went to PAX and found out that I walked like, you know, 10 miles or something like ridiculous mm-hmm. over the weekend with the yeah. uh, the Pokewalker. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is that's built into the 3DS now. Yeah. Like you, yep, yep. you know, I, I think that's kind of neat how they uh, how they incentivize, um, you know, in in games, uh, you know, walking yeah, around walk with around. your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want you to keep it with you. Yeah, um, yeah. That's not all peripherals. Nope, that's just a, a bunch of them. Yep. Is there anything like specifically that you want to mention that we maybe didn't? <sighs> Can we talk about rock bands some more? Yeah, <laughs> we could almost. I mean, we could justifiably do an episode of Rock Band at some point. I would yeah. just need to get the instruments again yeah. and just talk about individual songs and parts. Mm-hmm. And it would only be fun for us, but <laughs> pretty much it would, be, it would be fun to do. Like, like to like yeah. to talk about like categorically why no one knows doesn't work as a rock band song, but like <laughs> like, like songs that are great to listen to but are awful to play. <laughs> yeah, well, that song works for like seventy five percent of it. Yeah, and then becomes you know impossible. Well, no, it's not. It's not so much that it's impossible. It's just the syncopation is real goofy. And, I really uh, like the syncopation. Like that's what I seek out in my rock band songs. It yeah. just when they get to the end, when they get to the solo, I couldn't. I always die. Oh, this like the like, solo is where I always get like like get good. Yeah, that, that was uh, that was the first song I experted on or five star on expert in rock bands. Yeah, I can I, I can do the first part mm-hmm. pretty pretty all right. Um, and that's 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 fun for me. That's why I always like the um, the rush songs that are on rock band mm, yeah. because I want I want tricky time signatures and, and abrupt changes and stuff like that yeah. are really fun when you when you get them down mm-hmm. yyz is so good oh my gosh pro <sighs> drums on that mm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. give me it yeah also give um, me three steps pretty fun um <laughs> <laughs> like like southern rock is like a huge genre that just works so well in rock bands. yeah strangely enough yeah <laughs> well let's not burn that episode um <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah the, the, we didn't catch everything but that's uh that's what we got um so yeah so hopefully uh hopefully you like that and that's that's the end of our console or mm-hmm. our hardware episode yeah um what are we doing next time Cole? well next different. time um it's uh yeah so we're changing plans initially we said that it was going to be uh, alpha protocol um yep. however we have an announcement that do we want to make it now or do we want sure. to make it when we actually say all right so we are moving alpha protocol back by two episodes we're gonna be hitting that in late may uh because chris avalone is coming back yeah yeah, he uh, he. We we mentioned how much we, or I mentioned how much I love Alpha Protocol when we did the Fallout Two episode, and and he mentioned something he had a really good time, so I reached out to him. Um, but just because of scheduling things, um, he can't record right when that episode is going to come out. So we're going to move things around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are going to be doing Alpha Protocol in the late May, um, and we're going to have Chris on, similar to the Fallout Two episode. We're going to do kind of the regular episode, and then kind of do an interview in the back half. I'm really excited about it. I um, in advance of that, I played Alpha Protocol again, and it's still, you know, I think is one of the most underrated games the last yeah. ten years or so. Um, I really love it. And uh, but instead of that, we are doing a game I'm also very excited to do. 
we're going to be doing Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. This is one of my favorite games of all time. Um, It's been game clubbed a lot. There's been a lot said about it, but I feel like we can benefit uh, specifically because it's very Dark Soulsy in its narrative. Um, Mm -hmm. And so have fun hearing us speculate like wild. Yeah. And it's also it's it's so built into discrete units. Mm -hmm. You know, it's going to be really fun to just kind of break things down to like, this is what this Colossus is about. Yeah, this is what this Colossus is about. Like, I love that game. I feel like there's not really been replicated. Yeah. You know, in, in a meaningful way. It's a real high watermark for beauty. In games, I yeah. think. And like yeah. beauty in some kind of weird, like, you know, not just aesthetic sense, but yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Agreed. So, yeah, so, so I'm super good. excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that, what hasn't changed is Killer 7, uh, which yeah. is going to definitely fall into the flawed gems category. But uh, I'm excited yeah. to uh, talk about that. That is a, a Kickstarter backed um, uh, thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Suggestion. Suggestion. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Hard time finding the words. So. And then, uh, and then after that's when we're doing. Alpha Alpha protocol. protocol, yeah, and that's uh, that's with uh, Chris. So there's still plenty of time to get in your responses to any of those things. Uh, if you go to duckfeed.tv forward slash contact, um, let us know what you think about any of those games. Yeah, <clears throat> cool. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for sticking around. This has been a long episode, but there was a lot to cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we didn't uh, cover all of it. So, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, like it's similar with any of our special episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll keep the admin stuff brief. Um, just kind of, you know, if you go to duckfeed.tv, you can check out our other shows, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bonfireside Chat, Abject Suffering, The Level, uh, Those Damn Ross Kids, check it out, Comrade, mm-hmm. um, all worth your time yeah. and all worth our time, hopefully. Yeah. And yeah. If you'd like to participate in the conversation or help us out, there is uh, facebook.com slash watch out for fireballs and also uh, leaving us ratings or reviews on iTunes. And uh, if you want to support us monetarily, that is uh, duckfeed.tv slash tip jar. Use the Amazon link there and uh, that helps us out tremendously. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's probably good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's get out while the getting's good. Do it. Um, yeah. And so until next time, what can they watch out for? Uh, watch out for how expensive rock band instruments are now. Damn straight. for like more or less for free like they're either very expensive or you find some guy in craigslist who's selling like the first generation ones for Mm, 20 bucks but good ones are really expensive true